and gentlemen you are listening to the sports loudmouths 631 672 3108 is the number to call remember you can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com check out all our live shows throughout the week including the sports loudmouths which airs every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. And Thursdays at 9 p.m. Speedy, Petey, I see the smiles on your face. What is so funny? I don't, I don't know what smiles you're seeing. This is all a... Uh, a smirk? Uh, I, okay, that's a good way to put it. It's like a half smile, a smirk. You want to call you're that smirking. A- is it me that you're smirking Well, about? I survived your uh, Snapchat half hour or whatever it was. Was it not great? I mean, I, did you enjoy it? I, it's weird. <laughs> Anyone who has to listen to our Snapchats before? There's I think some people weird enjoy the craziness yeah, that comes out of my mouth. I'm sure they do. And it's very, very funny. How about your family? Do they ever watch our Snapchats? No, and I'm not showing them any of that nonsense. <laughs> Why not? I think it's funny. Good for you. <laughs> well, you don't think it's funny? I Maybe. I just It's, it's all random. <laughs> uh, it's very, very funny. And I'm sure you enjoy it, just in your own little way. Sure, we'll go with that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show tonight. At 9.30, we'll be talking to the Athletic Chiefs analyst, Seth Kaiser. He'll be joining us for the first time on our show, talking a little Kansas City Chiefs as the Super Bowl is four days away, Sunday afternoon or night at 6.30, not 6.30, not 6.30, 6.30, over there in Arizona. It's actually in Arizona, it would be 3.30, right? It's 3.30 or 4.30. Phoenix, that area is very weird with their time zones. Anyways, the Super Bowl, as the Eagles face the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be fun. At 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to former Eagles, Texans, Giants, Chiefs, and Bears. Safety, Quentin Demps. He will be joining us for the first time on our show as well. It'll be fun. Quinton is an interesting uh, personality. Uh, he's doing a little coaching over there in his hometown. So we'll have Quinton on the show as well. Kevin Durant traded. I, I was very surprised about this, by the way. I said it yesterday. I did not think in 24 hours that the Brooklyn Nets would trade their superstar player in Kevin Durant, and I was absolutely wrong as he is heading to Phoenix. And I've been telling everybody for the last past year that's where he's heading, and he heads to a pretty good team with Chris Paul, his buddy, and uh, uh, Devin Booker, who is one of the better shooters in the NBA. That team is loaded. Uh, They're going to be a hard team to beat in the Western Conference. Mm. As uh, the Nets get Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Four first-round picks and a 2028 pick swap. 
Ooh, as the Houston Rockets are probably smiling today as uh, they will be getting lottery picks for the next couple of years. As we all know, the Boston Celtics built their uh, regime right now uh, for the stupidity of Billy King over there with the Brooklyn Nets. And we will see another GM get fired for another stupid trade a couple of years, actually a year and a half ago, as James Harden heads over the 76ers, and they gave away not one, not two, not three, but four first-round draft picks and a swap for two of them. So good job. Great job for our friend Mr. Marks over there, who's probably going to be looking for a new job. So (laughs) congratulations to him. Uh, The Knicks trade a first-round pick, Cam Reddish, to the Trailblazers for, yes, Jalen Brunson's good friend, Josh Hart, as Jalen Brunson's jersey was retired in Villanova yesterday, and he was excited when uh, that trade happened as Josh Hart is heading to New York to play with his buddy. NBA trade deadline recap, Rangers acquire Vladimir Tarasenko, a guy that the Islanders have been gunning for for the last two years, uh, and he heads to New York, but not the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers. They also add... uh, uh, Nico Mikola, he goes over there from the Blues, a good young defenseman, 26 years old, for a first round, fourth round winger, Sam Blaze, and a prospect, Hunter Skinner. So, congratulations to the Rangers as they add two really good players. And the rest of the show, we will get into Super Bowl 57. We'll, we will preview the game. The ins and the outs of the games and the coaching and all that other stuff that everybody's looking forward to hearing our thoughts. And I'm telling you, there is going to be a lot to talk about with the Super Bowl, which is coming up in four days. Actually, three days if you really look at it. Errol, Errol's going to do a whole litmus test on why it's rigged towards the Chiefs. So. Uh, yes. I, I'm telling you, something crazy is going to happen in the Super Bowl. And I'm going to tell everybody after the Super Bowl, I told you so. Because I, I, I do believe that uh, one way or another, this, this game is going to be rigged. I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. So why don't we get into it? We have about uh, 20 minutes before our first guest, and we will talk a lot of football with him. Kevin Durant gets traded to the Phoenix Suns from Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four first-round picks and a swap of 2028. Who cares? All right? The interesting part of this trade was the trade that happened three days ago. Kyrie Irving not only screwed this team up, he ruined this team. He has ruined the Brooklyn Nets. Everybody thought when Kyrie Irving decided to not go to the Knicks and he headed, he was planning to head to the Brooklyn Nets, and he did. I don't know if his head was there when he was traded. or I mean, he signed with the Brooklyn Nets. And then Kevin Durant goes over there, and everybody's like, wow, this team is going to be a superstar team. This team is going to be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. And then a year later, they make a crazy trade for Kevin Durant's buddy over there in Houston, James Harden, that pushed his way. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, pushed his way out of Houston. And what happens? Kyrie Irving can't stay healthy. Kevin Durant can't stay healthy. James Harden can't stay healthy. Their bench was horrible. They traded away Karis LeFert and Allen 
And Spencer Dinwiddie, which, by the way, they got back for, yes, yours truly, Kyrie Irving. Trade away tons of first-round draft picks. And I don't want to hear about how many first-round picks they got from Phoenix because those first-round picks are going to be late first-round draft picks. You're talking about 27, 28, maybe even 29. Those picks will mean nothing in the draft because if you're not a lottery team in the NBA, the chances of you finding a player like... I don't know, Kawhi Leonard, who was, I think, drafted at number 16, or Donovan Mitchell at 14, or Jokic drafted in his second round. With a Taco Bell commercial on. <laughs> this team is going to be fishing for players because nobody, I repeat, nobody is going to want to play in Brooklyn when there's no fans, one. Two, they're handing, yes, they're handed tickets away, for the playoffs, for the regular season, they're practically giving them away for $15. Floor seats, guys. $15. To see Ben Simmons. Yes. You got it. Mr. Bricklayer himself. Mr. Airball himself. Ben Simmons. $38 million for a player that averages eight points a game seven rebounds a game, and about five assists. Congratulations to the Brooklyn Nets. They got their superstar player they're going to build their team around. Now that Kevin Durant and this stupid, low-down, dumb Kyrie Irving goes to Dallas. Not to mention Ben Simmons' incredible work ethic. (laughs) I can't sit here today, (laughs) I really can't, and say that Dallas is going to win a championship with Kyrie But I can say that Phoenix adding Kevin Durant, and they gave up pretty good players. Mikael Bridges is a good player. He's a good player. I don't know. He's a great defensive player, fantastic defensive player. He's a guy that will give you 14, 15 points as a starter. He'll give you eight rebounds. That's That's what he does. He'll give you a couple of steals, a couple of blocks. He's that type of player. You're not going to build your team around Mikel Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Ben Simmons. And how are you going to draw a star to come over there? The Knicks have had problems bringing stars in here in New York for years. For years. Nobody wants to play with the Knicks. Because, by the way, the Knicks don't have any stars. And nobody wants to play with Julius Randle. Except Jalen Brunson, which, by the way, was a good move by Leon Rose. There's nothing that excites you now to come to New York and try to win for the Knicks or the Brooklyn Nets. I don't care if this is the Mecca of basketball. The Mecca of basketball hasn't won a championship since the 70s. Why would anybody want to come and play over here? No, the Knicks are getting better. They have some good young talent. If they don't trade it away, thank God they didn't trade for Zach Levine. I heard they were ha- they uh, what Chicago was looking for for Zach Levine was like four first round draft picks, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, and another player to be named. That would have been an absolutely highway robbery if the Knicks made that trade. 
But if you look at the Brooklyn Nets right now, this team, from what they had in the beginning of the season with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant was moving towards an MVP season. He was averaging about 30 points a game. He was having a great season. Having one of his better seasons that we've seen since Golden State. He gets hurt. Hurts his ankle or his knee. He's out for now the next month, month and a half. And Kyrie Irving was the player. He was the guy. And then a week before, it's just so fitting for Kyrie Irving to do something like this to the Brooklyn Nets. A week before the trade deadline. Actually, it was six days before the trade deadline. As Friday came around, Kyrie goes to Mr. Marks or Sean Marks and tells him, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. You're not giving me a super max, so I don't want to be here. So they trade him to Dallas. They got some things back for him. Nothing special. He goes over to Dallas. He wins his first game with Dallas and was a big part of the win. Hopefully, he keeps his mouth shut over there because Mark Cuban is not going to take his crap. This is not the Brooklyn Nets. This isn't Sean Marks. He is a dictator. Mark Cuban is a dictator. Go watch him on Shark's Tank. He's not going to sit here and and listen to the demands that Kyrie Irving has. It's not going to happen. It won't happen. And it's not his team. As Jason Kidd has come out and said, it's Luka's team. In addition to the fact that Mark Cuban is also Jewish. (laughs) That's another thing, which is going to be very, very interesting. Because I didn't say this yesterday. Kyrie Irving at his press conference as he was introduced as a Dallas Maverick came out, one of the things that he said is, all the apologies that I gave with the anti-Semitic views that I had, I'm taking back. I'm not apologizing for what I said. And that's because he's no longer in Brooklyn. He was forced, and I told everybody this, the Nets forced him to apologize. He had no thoughts or views to apologize to anything he said. Because he believes it. He believes it cold-heartedly on what he said on his Twitter page. And pushing people to see an, a disgusting documentary. Which was appalling not only to the Jews, but for everybody. And he thinks it's normal. Kyrie Irving thinks he's a normal person. He ruined this organization. Kenny Atkinson doesn't have a start a head coaching job anymore because of Kyrie Irving. Karis LaFirst. Allen. Even Dinwiddie. The only reason why they're not there is because of the great Kyrie Irving. This team was really transforming into one of the better young basketball teams in the NBA. They really were. First year. With Kenny Atkins in there, they won 40 games. They made the playoffs. After that, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trade. We're, we're going we're gonna to bring in Kyrie Irving in free agency. He doesn't want to be over there in Boston. Boston was happy as hell that he was leaving. Happy as hell. He signs with the Nets. He draws Kevin Durant to come over here from Golden State because they want to win a championship in the Eastern Conference because it's an easy ride to the finals. Did they ever play in the finals? No. Did they ever play in the Eastern Conference Championship? No. No. (laughs) They couldn't beat Milwaukee. They barely could beat Miami. 
They couldn't beat any any of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. You know why? Because you have Kyrie Irving running the show. There's no question Kyrie Irving is a talent. There's no question. I think he's the best point guard in the NBA. When his mouth is shut. The guy doesn't shut up. And Kevin Durant, this would have been perfect for you to show everybody how great you really are as a player. To take a team like this Brooklyn Nets team to the playoffs. Make a run. Maybe you lose in the semifinals. Maybe you take this team to the Eastern Conference Finals and really surprise everybody. But no. You pushed your way out because your buddy, Big Mouth Re, goes to Dallas. And it just shows you that you're a follower. You're not a leader. You decided to lead your way to Brooklyn because of Kyrie. You wanted to win a championship with Kyrie. You didn't want to do it with Steph anymore. You didn't want to do it with Thompson. You didn't want to do it with those guys. You decided, hey, I can win it with Kyrie. Us two to take uh, take this team that's never won a championship all the way to the finals and win. Something Jason Kidd couldn't do, which Kyrie absolutely loved. And by the way, is his coach right now. The moral of the... Brooklyn Nets failed big three is it's very difficult to be able to judge NBA player relationships because Kyrie Irving and James Harden, definitely two of the biggest cases of that, both forcing their way out of very different teams. Kevin Durant, probably since the end of his Golden State tenure, started to get into that mold as well. And it doesn't work for a team camaraderie. And we talked about it the first season they played together, the three of them. They only played 16 games during the regular season. They did well in those 16 games, but how many of them actually played in the playoffs? Just Kevin Durant, because Kyrie Irving was hurt, and James Harden had the... the, Bunch of babies. Yeah, and James Harden, I think, had COVID or something like that, so he wasn't playing either. So then James Harden gets traded to the Sixers, they bring in Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons doesn't play until later this season. Congratulations. Yes, he played better, but he's still scoring single-digit points per game. I want to throw up. I want to throw up, okay? Because... As much as I can't stand the Brooklyn Nets, I, I hate that organization. Why? Because they should have stayed in New Jersey. They don't belong here. And I know everybody's going to say, well, the Nets were in Long Island before, obviously, they went to, the, uh, to uh, New Jersey. I don't care. They've been in New Jersey for tw- over 20-some-odd years. They are the New Jersey Nets. They should have never came to Brooklyn. Should have never. They can't even sell out a stadium. I don't even remember the last time. I think the last time they sold out a, a, a game, a basketball game over there in Brooklyn was in the playoffs. They don't sell out games over there. They're practically giving away tickets. Oh, yeah. That was funny, too. It's true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they had James Harden standing outside the stadium in the playoffs last year Handing and giving away free tickets. Against a good Milwaukee Bucks team. That's a feature matchup. And it was a great series. And yet, they had to give away tickets. No, no, not just give away tickets. They had James Harden giving away tickets. Uh James Harden, a multi-million dollar basketball player that you're paying over a 40-some-thousand dollar, I'm sorry, $40 million a season. You had him standing outside giving away free tickets. It's embarrassing. It has been embarrassing. Billy King doing what he did, giving the really giving the Boston Celtics uh, a recuper. A re, uh, what's the best word? Rejuvenation. For this? I, uh, that's the perfect word. Rejuvenating the Boston Celtics after you know what Kevin Garnett is old, Paul Pierce is old. 
The jet was old. Here, take our old guys. We will take the next five first-round draft picks. Thank you very much. These guys are done. They're washed up. They made it to the playoffs one year. They beat the Bulls one year. Paul Pierce and Garnett were there for not even two years. And then they decided to retire. And you know what? I believe the Celtics purposely did that to the Brooklyn Nets. I believe Paul Pierce and Garnett said, we'll get traded. We're done. We'll go to the Nets. We'll ruin them for a a year or two. You build your team. Rejuvenate your team. Get those lottery picks, as they did. Jalen... Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Who are their two superstars right now? Thank you to the Brooklyn Nets for giving us our two superstars. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't sit here and and, and really preach anymore that the Kevin Durant, a.k.a. Kyrie Irving, Championship buildup turned out to be garbage. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you have three superstars that only really care about themselves and have player relationships that are very fragile. What do we say about Kevin Durant in Golden State? Draymond Green was the main person that recruited him. What happened two years later? Draymond Green is allegedly the reason he wanted out. And same kind of thing with Brooklyn here. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, oh, they want to play together. Whether it was with the Nets, whether it was the Knicks, whether it was the whatever team. They wanted to play together somewhere. Two years later, that relationship got fragile in a heartbeat. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't get along. Kevin Durant was disgruntled with the front office this offseason. Kyrie Irving at the end of the season last year. And all of a sudden, now they're both gone. And De- now you got to deal with Ben Simmons. De- DeAndre Ayton was not required to be traded, which I was very surprised, being that the players that have less than six years in the league can take up to 25% of the team's salary cap next year and the offseason. They would have to move one of their other max contracts to keep Kevin Durant for the remainder of the deal. Nets' first-round picks will be 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. So in 2029, they will have three first-round draft picks. The Suns team offense was ranked 21st in the NBA before this trade, averaging 112.7 points per game. Durant on the season, 29.7 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, 5.3 assists, shooting 55.9% field goal percentage, 37.6 at the three-point line, and a league-leading 93.4% from the free-throw line. So, that helps their free throw shooting immensely. Devin Booker is the only scorer on the Suns with over 20 points per game as he averages 26.8. So you have two guys now that averages about 50 points a game. That's not including their big superstar point guard and Chris Paul that loves, loves to take over in the playoffs. Chris Paul has had the lowest overall scoring totals of his career. He averages 13.6 points per game, but is still averaging 8.7 points per game. Both players, the Nets got back in the trade. Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson are shooting 38% and 45% respectively. So you look at the big, and by the way, the Ben Simmons thing is just a joke. I don't even, I don't even want to get into Ben Simmons because he's just an absolute joke. He's a joke. I sit here today. I, I can't 
does any did anybody believe that at this time of year, after making the trade with James Hart for James Harden for Ben Simmons, did anybody think that in 2023 the Nets' number one option would be Ben Simmons? There's a, there's a thing when uh, Ben Simmons runs the uh, Barclays Circus or the Brooklyn Clown Show. When he does the trapeze They're the clown launch. show now. This is not the circus. The circus is gone. Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. Kyrie Irving goes to Dallas. James Harden's with the 76ers. They're, they're all in different places now. The circus is gone. Mm-hmm. Now we have the clown show. <laughs> Nevertheless, when Ben Simmons does the trapeze launch, he, miss, he misses the uh, exchange completely. <laughs> the Suns are tied right now. Uh, for fourth in the Western Conference with the Mavericks, what a quinky dink! Um, at at thirty and twenty six, four games back from the Grizzlies, second as their second, and eight point five games back from the Nuggets, who are in first. So the Western Conference is interesting. Now you have two teams that got better. They really did. They have now with adding Kyrie Irving with Dallas. And they're going to be better, obviously. They're, their record is going to start to build. And Phoenix adding Kevin Durant whenever he comes back with that firepower that they have. And they didn't have to, they didn't have to try, trade DeAndre Ayton. Look at their starting five. Who has a better starting five right now than the Phoenix Suns? Nobody. There's nobody in the NBA right now that has a starting five. As good as the Phoenix Suns. They were, my pick. they were my pick at the start of the year to win it all, and this is definitely helping that case, even if they have to do it as like a three seed. <laughs> I, I mean, the Nuggets are a good team, but the, the Nuggets, are, to beat the Phoenix Suns in a seven-game series, and they would probably, if, if the season were to end right now, they would probably meet Phoenix in the semifinals. That's where I think, because they're right now tied in fourth. Yeah, and Memphis has struggled recently, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they got to if they got up there as it is, even if they met like uh, three and one in the Western Western Conference Finals too. And the Suns, who knows? Maybe they might, they might have that advantage. Remember, the Suns beat the Nuggets in five games two years ago. Yes, they did, but they didn't have Murray. Murray wasn't one hundred percent healthy in that that year. No, but the Suns also didn't have Kevin Durant. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. When we come back, we'll be talking to Athletic. Oh, I'm sorry, the Athletic Chiefs chief. Analyst, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs analyst, Seth Kaiser, here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows, which are live throughout the week. Our show, which airs on Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Thursday at 9 p.m. Great shows, great content, funny, energetic, and great guests like this one. We are now talking to the Kansas City athletic analyst, Seth Kaiser. Seth, what's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Just enjoying the evening, watching the travesty that is Chris Jones not winning Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> but other than that, I'm having a real good night. How are you guys doing? We are good, man. Uh, you look good. Uh, I know you're looking forward to the Super Bowl this weekend. Your Kansas City Chiefs are, I, I wouldn't say favored in this game, but 
if Mahomes is 100% healthy or maybe even just 85, 90% healthy in this game, they have a very good chance as the, he's been the the best quarterback in the NFL for the last two seasons. Before we get into that, how are you and your family doing with the outbreak, with COVID and everything that was going on over the last couple of years? Oh, everyone's doing great. I, I live up in rural Minnesota, so I mean, we tend to we tend to be relatively unscathed by many of the things that, you know, tend to affect the rest of society. That's what happens when you're a stone's throw from Canada. So, uh, no, life is good. We, uh, we, we, we've got actually a bunch of family coming over to watch the, uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday and should be a lot of fun. I'm, now we're, we're one and one when mm-hmm. hosting family for Super Bowls, <laughs> you know, you got the good result and then, you know, the, the massacre. Mm. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. Well, the massacre happened because there was no offensive line help. Right. As we remember. Well, I, I think actually I was playing left guard that week. So <laughs> I still might take was... you over Mike Remmers at this rate. I'm a Giants fan. I know how bad he was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it also didn't help that like three of the greatest throws I've ever seen hit his wide rec- his receivers in the face and then they just dropped him. I, I'm still mad about that. You know, they would have lost either way. Like they, there's no scheme for we can't block them. Um, but it really, really would have been nice if at least one of the insane throws he made, someone would have caught, mm-hmm. you know, that, that would have been great. Cause then you could at least say, Hey, he completed the greatest pass I've ever seen while they got killed in the Super Bowl. That would have been more fun. Maybe, uh, Arian Foster had something to say about that as he believes <laughs> the game is rigged. So <laughs> I, I, maybe it is, uh, maybe that game was, uh, Tom Brady's uh, farewell party as he wins his final Super Bowl in Tampa. And they're the first team to ever win a home game in a Super Bowl. So, hey, Tom Brady's done it all. So thank you to Arian Foster. As, you know, I had my own thoughts as the Super Bowl over the last couple of years, I believe. Games just didn't fall right the way I thought it should have. So maybe it is rigged. Well, there's only one logical explanation for that. What's that? It's that it's rigged. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> when things don't turn out the way I expect, my only assumption is that someone somehow cheated me. There you go. <laughs> As everybody knows, we are talking to the athletic Kansas City Chiefs analyst, Seth Kaiser. So in terms of the Chiefs matchups against the Eagles, in terms of a, mat- a matchup advantage that you think is a – Huge advantage for the Chiefs and a matchup advantage that you think is a downside for the Chiefs that they're going to really have to game plan for. Sure, uh, man, it's tough to find a huge advantage when you're when you're looking at a roster as as talented as the Eagles. I do think for as good as the Eagles have been against tight ends this year, and they've been pretty decent. I think some of that is a matchup issue. Uh, I think Kelsey against their linebackers in the middle of the field is a pretty big mismatch in favor of the Chiefs. They're going to have to figure out a way to scheme around that, whether that's having a safety trail them or something like that. Um, I think something that uh, that favors the Eagles, um, their their edge rushers, particularly the way their edge rushers win against the Chiefs tackles is um, problematic. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. is he's a decent left tackle. I'd call him even above average. He performs well against good defensive ends, but he has very specific weaknesses when it comes to speed rushers. And uh, Riddick and Graham can both bend that corner pretty well. And so. I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little bit nervous with that. Andrew Wiley, he's, he's kind of, he's an average offensive lineman. That sounds like an insult, but it's not. It's hard to be an average offensive lineman, but that doesn't mean you're average all the time. What that means is you're either having a good game or a bad game. And that comes out to average. And the bad game against a guy like Riddick could look real bad. 
As everybody knows, we are talking to the athletic Kansas City Chiefs analyst, Seth Kaiser. Seth, you look at this game. This is not a game that people are talking about this week. As a matter of fact, with the NBA uh, trade deadline this week and uh, everything that's happened with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and uh, baseball is around the corner, pitchers and catchers. Everybody's forgotten that the Super Bowl is this week. Do you like that the, fa- the fact that the Super Bowl is two weeks away after the NFC and AFC title game? You know, this year I kind of appreciated it because the, the, the Chiefs had some injuries that they needed to get past. And it's always good seeing players, you know, teams always tend to get a little bit healthier before the Super Bowl, which is nice. Um, the, the only part of it that, that really bums me out, I think it gives us in the media a little too much time to talk. Because then you start seeing some of the weird stuff come out, like, the, you know, the final two weeks. Not just with the weird questions that people get asked, but, you know, this week uh, as people are starting to fire off, you know, you can only talk so many times about how much Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz Jalen Hurts. <laughs> so eventually, you know, people start talking about this stuff, you know, and that's where you see on some of the podcasts starting to come up, some of the articles like, well, you know, maybe maybe Jalen Hurts is better than Mahomes. And you start to see it, you're like, okay, everyone, let's just <laughs> calm down. Let's just, let's play the game. We don't have to do that. And so... I the the delay is kind of it's rough, but I, I think it's good because you end up with at least as healthy as teams are going to get this time of year. So one of those key injuries is the wide receivers a lot. And they lost three of them in the AFC championship game alone. Yes. They were playing with a lot of rookies. It looks like McCole Harmon is going to be out no, uh, no matter what, but still shot for Tony and Juju Smith-Schuster. How big of a concern do you think it is matchup wise against the secondary for the Eagles? You know, the biggest thing about having McCole Hardman out is he is really the guy that they've relied on for the last several years to execute a lot of the jet sweep actions, whether they actually hand it off or not, some of those little pop passes they do. And that's something that they love to do, specifically to slow down really good edge rushers. Um, It's what they did against the 49ers earlier this year against Nick Bosa. Kind of made him a non-factor in the game by just continually – he never knew where the ball was going to be, and so you can't get upfield very quickly when you're always wondering what's going to happen there. Without him, they need Kadarius Toney healthy to fulfill that role. That's definitely concerning for that very specific matchup. Andy Reid's really great at removing uh, defensive ends from games if he's got the right personnel to execute some of that stuff. So that'll be a big deal. Kadarius Toney being healthy is almost a necessity – And in terms of Juju Smith-Schuster, he's a guy that they trust to beat man coverage with back shoulder throws. Some of those things, they trust him to win one-on-one a little bit more than the other guys they have on the roster. Seth, you look at the Eagles. The Eagles like to run the ball. And right now, going into this game throughout the season, Kansas City was ranked 20th in the league on stopping the run. They've had problems against running quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL. And you look at the three-headed monster with the Philadelphia Eagles and Sanders and what they could produce running the ball. Do you think this is going to be a problem in the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's been a problem for basically everyone they've played. The only teams that have really slowed them down um, you, there really haven't been a lot of teams that have managed to even remotely slow them, except the Colts for some weird reason. The Colts, who beat the Chiefs as well. I made a comment earlier today on a different podcast that if the Colts played everyone as tough as they played the Eagles and the Chiefs, they'd be 15-2. and two. <laughs> Like, it was, just, it was just the weirdest thing. Well, actually, they'd be 16-1 and because they beat the Chiefs. And so um, the, the big thing with their run game, so there's two things that I think need to happen there. The first one is related to the Chiefs' offense. It's a game script issue. The Eagles' offense is significantly less efficient when they are behind or, you know, when they're not able to kind of dictate the pace of the game. Now, fortunately for them, because they're awesome, they're rarely losing. The first quarter and a half or so is really important for the Eagles because if the Chiefs 
manage to, you know, just by a really good opening script or whatever, jump out to like a 14-3 or 14-6 lead. That puts the Eagles in a position where you can't just pound the rock, pound the rock, you know, spam duo 10 times in a row like they did against the Steelers. And that's a big deal. That's one thing the Chiefs can do to help themselves. The other thing is they're going to have to stack up the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to send blitzers, including run blitzes, because I think head on, they, they can't handle that run game. I don't know if really anyone can, but in particular, the Chiefs linebackers struggle when guys climb to the second level at times. They don't shed particularly well. And Jason Kelsey, I don't know if you've heard this, mm. but when he climbs to the second level, he's an absolute monster. And that the last thing they can afford is him getting to that second level <laughs> over and over. Because once the Eagles find something that works, they'll just spam it until you show you can stop it. And that's something I actually really love about them. It's like, well, we're running the ball for seven yards a pop. We're just going to keep running it, and they'll just do it all the way down the field. Yeah, I learned that in uh, in the Giants-Eagles playoff game very well. They did that (laughs) all the first quarter and into the second quarter. Speaking of the Chiefs with their defense, uh, a lot of their young DBs have really strived. A lot of them, they got in the picks for the Tyree Kill trade, Jalen Watson, uh, Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, guys like that that have really strived. Even Nick Bolton kind of as a hybrid safety they started using him as later in the season. So what have been your impressions of that, especially in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals, that tough receiving core? Sure. Well, early on against the Bengals, obviously, Legereus Sneed, who's, Sneed, who's been their top corner all year, he gets hurt right away. And Sneed's really important in, in Spagnolo's defense because he loves to utilize slot blitzes, safety blitzes. And, and Legereus Sneed is a very gifted blitzer. He's a really physical player. And their plan was to have him follow around Jamar Chase. How good an idea that was, I don't know, because no one should be following around Jamar Chase, but whatever. Um, so they had to have three rookie corners. And then when Willie Gay Jr. got hurt, they brought in Brian Cook and had him playing on the back end while they brought up Justin Reed to play kind of that hybrid role. So you had four rookies out there, and they acquitted themselves really well. Trent McDuffie has been exceptional this year as a rookie, and I think he's unfortunate that he missed some time due to injury. And also he shared being a rookie the same year as Sauce, who had one of the best rookie years we've ever seen for a corner, so people don't talk about it a lot. The, the thing about every one of those rookies is that they've been – average or above and to even be average you know McDuffie's been very good Watson's been a little above average Williams has had a little more ebbs and flows Cook same thing but to even be average as a rookie on the back end and not be this glaring blind weak spot like they had last year with Dan Sorensen at safety that's just such a big deal because defense is as much about avoiding weaknesses as it is having strengths we are talking to the athletic Kansas City Chiefs analyst, Seth Kaiser. Seth, we are trying to compare and contrast both teams all week, really for the last two weeks, trying to see the strengths of the Kansas City Chiefs and the the weakness of the Kansas City Chiefs and the strengths of the Eagles and some of the weaknesses of the Eagles. And to me, the Eagles are just so much better than the Kansas City Chiefs in so many areas. But there's one thing that I believe the Chiefs have the advantage going into this game, and that's coaching. Andy Reid, who's won a Super Bowl, he's been here before, he's done it with the Eagles. Obviously, it's this is the Andy Reid ball. And the Eagles, Nick Sirianni, who is, to me, has been a breath of, really, breath of, breath of fresh air for the, the Philadelphia Eagles after taking over for Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl for the Eagles. What are your thoughts going into this game and the advantages Andy Reid has against Nick Sirianni? I think there is something to be said for having been there before, understanding even something silly like, well, what is it? What does Super Bowl week look like? You know, what, how, how do I, 
How do I plan my practices around it? How do we plan our travel time around it? The weird media times, all of that stuff. Just having done something a few more times, it's like anything else. You know, you, you kind of are able to develop uh, habits and procedures. And that's something that is a big advantage. Um, the, the, the extra week, everyone knows Andy Reid after bye weeks, generally speaking, does pretty good work because he's such a good game planner and, and he can make his script even bigger than 15 plays because he's got extra time. I think the biggest advantage, it really is the having been there before. Um, and that, that includes also Steve Spagnolo, who is a really good individual game planning defensive coordinator. So having that extra time, I think it benefits the coaching staff with more experience the coaching staff that's been there before and that's maybe a little more specialized in terms of individual game plans as opposed to what I see with the Eagles when I watch them. They're just such a terrific team. They're so talented. They overwhelm a lot of teams with that talent. But generally speaking, they do what they do. The checks that you see in response to blitzes are the same in week three as they are in week seven. And not like, you know, not completely the same because they're not idiots. <laughs> but it's just generally you they do what they do and what they do is terrific. And I think when that's how those things work, because I've seen the other side of that, when Reed was a little more, well, we do what we do. That can be a disadvantage when it's much more of a specific individualized game plan. So one of the Eagles defense biggest weaknesses has been against pass catching running backs where they've allowed the uh, 24th in the league. So that's the eighth most yards given up. And we've seen a lot of Isaiah Pacheco this postseason in comparison to more of the other running backs. But Jarek McKinnon mm-hmm. was also big in last year's postseason against the Bills and against the Bengals, especially. So do you think we'll see more of him and maybe some of the other even receivers catching shovel passes a lot more? Or do you think they'll stick with Pacheco just because he's the hot hand? I think you're going to see you're going to see a ton of of both of them. You're going to see a lot of Jarek McKinnon in part. What they really like about him, he's a good pass catcher. He executes the offense really well. Andy Reid is much more detailed about the designs of his screens than almost any other coach in the league. If you talk to offensive linemen who've played for him, that's what they talk about. His other coaches, they don't have like, a, okay, you're going to take seven steps exactly and hit your landmark right there. Like that's what Andy Reid does. Every piece of it is so intricate. And that's why McKinnon's good at it because he executes it exactly. But what they really love about him is his pass protection. He's psychotic because he weighs like a buck 90 and he will take on linebackers head on and he's good at it. And I mean, good for him. I respect that. That's, that is some great little man syndrome. I love that. Um, with Pacheco, he's bigger, he's he's stronger, he's faster. They've actually kind of rolled him into the passing game only over the course of the last three or four weeks or so. And so my guess is you're going to see a relatively even split, but you're going to see Pacheco get the ball quite a few more times. McKinnon more gets the ball as a way to keep defenses honest so you don't have a tell. Well, McKinnon's back there. They're throwing the ball. And so they'll give it to him a few times to make sure that you don't have a tell there. But overall, I think Pacheco is going to be the one primarily with the ball. Seth, I've got 10 names that are going to really stand out. Brandon Graham, Robert Quinn, Fletcher Cox, Dominican Sue, Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, Levon, uh, Linville Joseph, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. I mean, it goes on and on and on. There's about six beasts at this line that mm-hmm. are going to go after a quarterback that has a high ankle sprain. There is no way he's 100% healthy because it takes three to four weeks to heal. What is Patrick Mahomes going to do if he's limping throughout the Super Bowl? I would say that you'd probably see a similar game plan to what you saw with the, with the Bengals and then what you saw, you know, against the Jags when he came back and was significantly more 
impaired in terms of how we could move. It just comes down to being able to win from the pocket. And one of my favorite things about what's happened in the last couple of weeks is people that haven't really watched Mahomes. A lot of people, they, they watch red zone Mahomes, you know? So they see the flips. They see, you know, you know, he, he, I don't know, he's standing on his head and he kicks the ball to someone <laughs> or whatever, right? And so people assume that that's what makes Mahomes great. But when you actually sit down and you chart his snaps and you watch every single snap, what makes him great is his unbelievable consistency in pre-snap and post-snap reads, his ability to find the right receiver, make an accurate throw from any platform, time after time after time. The heroic stuff that, that makes all the, the highlights, it's awesome to watch, and he does it multiple times a game, but he doesn't need it to win anymore, and he hasn't for a couple of years. And so what I'm guessing is you'd see, you know, if he aggravates it and he's limping around a lot more, I, I think what you're going to see is them kind of adjust their game plan in terms of calling out certain shot plays to try to have MVS stretch the field, and then it's just going to be about the matter of reading the defense. You do motion. Okay, they run in man. They run in zone. What do they think they are? And he's going to be picking his spots more pre-snap as opposed to running around and trying to create that second play. Um, easier said than done because, like you said, a lot of monsters on that defensive line. He's probably relieved they can't line them all up at once. <laughs> well, I will say this. We, we saw against the Bengals what Kansas City did. They, when he was limping, he was running the ball. He is not going to be be able to run against these beasts because they're ranked fifth right now in rushing defense throughout the league. So they like to clog up the middle. They have a bunch of guys that can do that. So he is going to have to air out the ball, and he's got a ton of guys that he is going to have to face in the secondary. James Bradbury, Darius Slay. I mean, these guys are great. And Johnson, who is coming back, uh, Gardner Johnson, who's been one of the best corners in the league all season long. So he is going to have problems. And you don't know if Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be healthy or how healthy he is going into this game. To me, there's just this defense is so good. If Patrick Mahomes somehow pulls this out of his rear end, it would be one of the greatest, greatest games I've seen a quarterback play against one of the better defenses we've seen in a very long time. You know, the interesting thing to me, and I actually wrote about this earlier this week, is when you look at that Philly defense, I would say we don't know how good they are. Mm. We know they're great on paper. We also know that Jared Goff and Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love tore them up. And those are the best quarterbacks they played all year. Uh, they, they, yes, they really did beat up on Tyler Heineke and they beat up on a bunch of quarterbacks that really aren't very good. They played, I think it was three to five offenses that were uh, in terms of EPA, even in the top 12. And of those, all of them moved the ball in them, except Trevor Lawrence, who could not stop fumbling the ball for some reason. Um, now, part of that was because he was getting smacked around all day, which goes towards your point. The, the thing that interests me with the Eagles is when I watch Dak Prescott just scorch that defense, it made me wonder what exactly – we haven't seen them tested. Now, sometimes being really great against bad teams means you're going to be really great against good teams too. And I think that's probably more likely because of the names they have and the talent they have. But when I see some of the ways that they have been beat – I think there, there's a lot of reliance on overwhelming individual talent there and, and, and overwhelming talent up front. And that wins the vast majority of the time. I don't know if that wins necessarily against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. That's why they were able to put up 40-plus on the Niners earlier this year. It's not enough just to have a great pass rush. You've got to have a cohesive game plan in place too. And that's, I think, that would be the pushback. That would be their shot to succeed against so much talent. So one X factor on both sides of the ball for the Chiefs to win this game. Sure. 
I think the uh, the the biggest X factor, I'll say, with the Chiefs are playing defense. It's going to be whether or not they have a plan to not get just destroyed in the run game. Like, like we talked about already. I mean, they're, they're linebackers. This is this is it. This is the game of their life. They've struggled to stop the ball on the ground. Um, I, I think that's going to be the X factor there. Otherwise, you end up in a game where the Eagles are going to completely dictate the tempo. They're also going to be able to run play action, some of those shot plays that they love to do. And it's going to be easy for them because the Chiefs are going to have to crowd the line of scrimmage completely. And I think that's going to dictate it. Can you get them in, in, in bad situations? Can you get them in third and six plus? force them to throw the ball a little bit more. When the Chiefs are on the offensive side of the ball, the obvious is Mahomes, right? How good is the ankle? Is he at 70% or is he at 90%? That's going to be the biggest one there. So that's an easy one. So I'll say instead, the biggest X factor, I think, let's go with Orlando Brown Jr. He's he's had the occasional, He's again, he's been up and down, above average overall, but not great. Um, this is... This is his opportunity. He wanted to be the highest paid tackle in the league this year. The Chiefs didn't do it. They franchise tagged him. This game, this is his opportunity. Regardless, he had a really bad start to the year. Uh, he was playing on a bad knee, but he played very poorly on it. And if he plays a great game, that allows him to walk into negotiations the offseason. Look what I did. You don't win a Super Bowl without me. And so I, I would say that's the X factor there. Because if you can have, they've got, they've got a really good interior line. If Brown can play a good game, that gives them a shot. Um, whereas if he plays a poor game, it makes it a lot tougher and makes maybe for some, pre some you know, for Chiefs fans reliving what happened against Tampa. We are talking to the athletic Kansas City Chiefs analyst, Seth Kaiser. Last question for us, Seth. Here, And it's, it's a couple of questions. And, and <laughs> they're very easy questions, and I'm sure you'll be able to answer them. Uh, which Kelsey has the better game? One. Number two, who's the MVP of the Super Bowl? And number three, what is your final score of the game and who wins the Super Bowl? I think, uh, I think, I, oh man, man, Jason Kelsey's so good. <laughs> I, I think Travis Kelsey has the better game just because I've never seen him have a, I've never seen him do anything but something excellent in the playoffs. Every single time. I, Travis Kelsey is just the way he produces. He's behind Jerry Rice in playoff production. That's it. That's the list of people he's behind. So I think it'll be Travis. If no other reason, then it'll be more noticeable. No one notices centers, sadly enough. Um, in terms of the MVP of the game, um, it would take it would it would take a Herculean performance by someone for it to not be one of the quarterbacks. Whichever team's whichever team wins, it's probably going to be the quarterback of that team. Barring you know you know if like you know Hassan Riddick has like seven sacks or Chris Jones forces four fumbles or something crazy like that. I think it'll be one of the quarterbacks. And I don't even remember the last question. They were two good questions. Final score of the game. Oh. oh, see, that is the hard one. I've been very back and forth on this all week. I think the Chiefs managed to pull it out narrowly. I think you're going to end up with something around 30 to 27. Well, just remember, it is rigged. So, Well, yeah. <laughs> so it depends It depends on, on, on whatever the script writers say. There you go. Hopefully, hopefully we finally see the behind-the-back pass from Mahomes. There you go. Hopefully that's in the script. And maybe Arian Forster, you know, puts on a Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> jersey, and he's he's the star running back for the Super Bowl. Maybe that happens. Yeah, Who he knows? runs out, hits someone with a chair, the crowd goes wild. I've watched that. He works for Barstool, so why not pull out a stool and beat somebody in the head with one? So there you go. But we really appreciate you, Seth, as always. I know you're a busy guy. It's a busy week for you. And keep up the good work, and we'll get you on very soon. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me, guys.
Seth Kaiser, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fantastic guy. Good personality. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, you know, he likes our joking. So he's got a good sense of humor. Now, a lot of these guys, and we've interviewed a lot of analysts and a lot of lead guys, lead writers, beat writers. Sometimes they, they don't take joking especially when it comes to a game and importance of a game for their teams. But uh, Seth is a good guy. Seth has a good personality. And this guy is the lead guy. He is the, he's the head analyst, the lead beat writer for the Kansas City Chiefs for the Athletics. So, um, and he's got guys working under him. So that's what makes him uh, – and, and, and the, the personality. I thought he was going to be at the Super Bowl. That's what I thought, um, working Radio Row and trying to get the interviews. But – Hey, and by the way, the Islanders really screwed up this game. I mean, 4-3 going into the third period, and they're going to lose 6-4. It, it, this is horrible. I mean, you cannot give up six goals against the Vancouver Canucks. You cannot. You, you just traded for their best player, and you let this team score six goals against you. And Bavillier scored a goal in this game. So. Oh, damn. So that's even worse. Uh-huh. So, anyways, but... Uh, uh, at 10 o'clock, we will be talking to former Eagles, Texans, Giants, Chiefs, and Bears safety, Quinton Demps. He'll be joining us in a little while. But uh, to get back with the NBA and, and with the Knicks, because we, we spoke enough about the Nets, or the clown show we call the Nets. Uh, the Knicks made a trade, uh, and I think it was a great trade for the New York Knicks. Now, we'll see how it works in New York. Uh, Josh Hart is a guy that played in Villanova with Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, who was inducted into the Villanova Hall of Fame, one of the best players to ever play in Villanova, won two national championships, was a big part of those two national championships. And I think it was in 2016 and 2018. Um, And um, very well-deserved. After the inductee was inducted, he finds out, and on Twitter there's a, a video where his girlfriend, his girlfriend or wife said the Knicks made a trade, and jo- obviously Jalen Brunson said, "Who was it?" And they said they, the Knicks traded for Josh Hart, and he went crazy. He was so ecstatic because him and Josh Hart are very good friends. They grew up together in college and and won national championships together. So uh, I think this is a great move. This is a Leon Rose smart move, bringing in a player of that magnitude, a guy that can do everything. He rebounds. He can score. He can give you nine, ten points. He might even give you more. Um, I don't know if he starts right now because of R.J. Barrett, but he's a great guy coming off the bench. The Knicks have a very good bench, a lot of depth on that bench. It is good. Obi Toppin, who's going to play 20 to 22 minutes quickly, who's going to play 20 to 22 minutes. The crazy thing is Derek Rose, who's been sitting on the bench all season long, uh, he hasn't really had a chance to play. He's playing like two, three minutes a game. That shows you the depth that the New York Knicks have coming off the bench. And Quentin Grimes starting. And and even Fournier, who they paid a lot of money, what was it, a year and a half ago. They were trying to move the contract uh, before the trade deadline. Now they're going to have to look into the offseason, try to move that contract moving forward. But this is this was a fantastic move by the New York Knicks. There's no question that it was. You go in the ins and the outs of the trade, there's nothing that really stands out. I mean, Cam Reddish wasn't playing. He didn't want to be there. So, and Portland needs a shooting guard. Uh, and, and Josh, again, Josh Hart has had a very good season this year. He is a good, uh, I would say, uh, what would you call Josh Hart? He, uh, when you, he, he could do everything so well. So, I, and I, I don't know if he's going to give you, he's a guy that's going to give you 20 to 25 points. Right. 
but he's a guy that could do everything good. He can steal. He defends multiple positions. That's something that Thibodeau likes. And he gives you that depth that the Knicks are going to need moving into the playoffs, especially off the bench. You, you have a He's not a rookie. He's a, he's a veteran player who's still fairly young, 26, 27 years old. And he's under contract. Portland gave him a three-year extension last year. So he's still under contract for two years. So And he becomes a free agent when Jalen Brunson has one more year left on his contract. So it'll be interesting how the Knicks – maneuver their roster next year uh, in the offseason. But Leon Rose did well here. Now, everybody wanted Zach Levine. And I know a lot of people sitting here saying the Knicks failed to bring in a superstar that can give them points. Here's the problem. And I, I'm going to say this because I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not giving away four first-round draft picks, Opie Toppin and Quigley and a player, maybe Fournier, for one player, which, by the way, he's great. He's a great player. You could have traded not you could have traded not even all that to get Donovan Mitchell. You had a chance to get Donovan Mitchell for less in the offseason. They didn't want to trade four first round draft picks. They didn't want to trade Obi Toppin. They didn't want to trade RB uh, RJ Barrett. That's why they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. Now all of a sudden, and I know a lot of people are Nick fans and, and they're sitting here and say, well, you know, they could have done this and they could have done it. They could have done a lot of things. Josh Hart made a lot of sense. Especially the way Thibodeau likes to run his offense and his defense. The Knicks are not one of the better defenses in the league this year. As a matter of fact, for what Thibodeau does best, this is probably one of the weakest defenses we've seen a Thibodeau defense have in a season what are they ranked 22nd in the league they're middle of the pack they're 15th and really so they went all the way because i uh, i think a week ago they were 20 or 22nd yeah, but they're, re- they're they're one of the worst interior defenses a lot of that has to do with the mitchell robinson injury and just being very undersized and even some of the trades they made now they're still not really getting other like size guys up front either they're trying to trust isaiah hartenstein and jericho sims to be able to do everything but they're getting a guard that can do a lot of different things and uh, a guard that can rebound. He averages almost eight rebounds a game. So if you're a Knicks fan and you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, the Knicks didn't do as well as this team, it didn't do as well as the Suns or the Mavericks or any of the other teams, and we'll, we will go into uh, the trade deadline uh, and some of the moves that were happening. D'Angelo Russell goes to the Lakers. I think that was a good move for the Lakers. They should have never traded him away. So, And then they were trying to bring other guys. They, they tried to get Julius Randle last year. Uh, another player that they traded away. So uh, could you imagine if these guys were on the Lakers right now, how good the Lakers would be? Mm-hmm. So, And that had a lot to do with Magic Johnson and running that organization to the ground. And I'm not saying this to take shots at Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is, is a smart man, a smart businessman. He's still a guy that was a, is part of the Lakers organization. But when they decided to trade away these pieces, he was a part of that organization. He was a part of the decision-making of the the Lakers. And that and to me, as good as Magic Johnson was as a basketball player, as a, an executive, aka vice president, president, whatever the heck he was with the Lakers, he was not good at. Mm-hmm. It was kind of hit or miss because the, the, the Lakers were a lot like the Nets. They looked like they were rebuilding young, and all of a sudden Le- LeBron goes over there, and now LeBron has to run it his way. So they trade for Anthony Davis, they get rid of 
Brandon Ingram, they get rid of Lonzo Ball, they trade D'Angelo Russell eventually later after that, and LeBron gets, quote-unquote, uh, his guys in there. Guys that, veteran guys that won him a championship in 2020, fine, but since then, they've fallen off, a lot like the LA Rams this year. Won their Super Bowl, but they traded away their entire future, and then they stunk the next year. And the Lakers, while they're still kind of contending, are still in the lower echelon of those Western Conference teams right now. So now they're trying to maybe resurface it where they get a little younger and make the money work. But at the same time, they still might be clearing the way for some big name to come in, whether they lose LeBron or not. So interesting, happy medium that Magic Johnson is doing, but there's a lot of extremes. I To me, looking at all the moves, and, and Speedy, bring up the moves, and, and we'll go through each and every of the winners and the losers of this. And I got it up right here. Uh, the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors are losers. I, I, the Ringer, if you go, guys, check out The Ringer. It's, it's, it's a great article by Michael Pena. Uh, very, very good article. 2023 NBA trade deadline winners and losers. They go through all the trades, all the moves, and who are the winners and who are the losers. Speedy, you have all of them? So I have uh, uh, Miles Plum or Mason Plumley uh, dealt to the Clippers. The Hornets traded Reggie Jackson and a 2028 second round pick. The Clippers uh, also traded for a Nugget, uh, Nuggets point guard Bones Highland, who f- wanted out of Denver. He's a younger player, I think 24 years old. And they also were able to shed John Wall's contract as well. He ends up going back to the Rockets. And the Clippers get Eric Gordon and three second round picks, which probably could help their perimeter shooting as a whole, too. Paul George is a good three point shooter, but they don't really have much besides. Besides that, uh, Pelicans also part ways with uh, Devontae Graham. They get Josh Richardson to help out some of their size. And Justin Holiday, former Nick, and Frank Kaminsky, the Rockets for the Hawks for Bruno Fernando. Hey, Kevin Knox making the realm. He goes to the Warriors. James Wiseman Ooh. goes to the Pistons and Sadiq Bay to... Uh, Sadiq Bay goes to the Hawks as well, and uh, he said Highland already. Uh, oh, the Lakers get uh, a bunch of second-round picks back. Congratulations to Who the Who would Bucks. have thought that James Wiseman was going to be a bust? Yeah, not me. I loved him out of the draft. I, that has a lot to do with Golden State not using him or moving him in that lineup. It, it's To me, Golden State is an absolute disaster right now. And everybody keeps saying, well, Steph Curry isn't 100% healthy. Steph Curry is getting old. His, I've been saying this over and over again. I know they won the championship last year. His ankles are messed up. His knees are bad. Remember, when he came into the league, he had knee problems. He had ankle right. problems. Yep. So it took him five years to develop his skill to play NBA basketball because he couldn't stay healthy. Now he's, what, 32, 33 years old? And in NBA, you know, at the NBA age, besides LeBron James, because he's just... He's not human. Right. I mean, look, Carmelo Anthony is the same age as LeBron James. Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony's done. He's done. Yep. I mean, he's he's going to get a contract for, like, less than a million dollars at the rate he's going. And he he everybody was forever. talking about him and J.R. Smith, how available they are. <laughs> who wants Carmelo Anthony, who hasn't played all season long, and J.R. Smith, who hasn't played for, like, two or three years, who, by the way, got – is I, I guess he got his degree. I, I think it was his master's yeah, degree. Yeah, he's like playing golf. Congratulations like North to him. A and T or so. Congratulations to him. I, I'm I'm happy for J.R. Smith. He's he's starting to achieve things off the court, and he won his championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this guy, you know, for all the trials and tribulations and the craziness that he did on the court, he's been better off the court. Um, in his career, in his movement on where he wants to go with his career after basketball. But he's no longer an NBA player, okay? And you look at you look at these trades, the four trades that really stuck out, 
The Brooklyn Nets are losers. No question. <laughs> yeah. Phoenix, if I were to rate the winners and losers from, from the top moves of this trade deadline, I would say, number one, Phoenix adding Kevin Durant. That makes them a championship team off the bat when Kevin Durant comes back. Who's going to beat that lineup, uh, that, that starting lineup yep. in Phoenix? So you have that. Number two. Yes, it would be Kyrie Irving going to Dallas. Dallas adds um, a top end, probably the best point guard in the NBA right now. Uh, If he shuts his mouth and helps Luka Doncic do the things that he does best, this team could be, again, a Western Conference final team where they could be playing Phoenix or Denver or maybe have to play Phoenix to get to Denver. Who knows? So that's, that's number two. Number three. I would say the Lakers adding D'Angelo Russell, getting rid of Russell Westbrook's contract. Yeah. Okay. Opening up an option in the offseason if they want to bring in a Zach Levine. So, or somebody of that magnitude if LeBron decides to stay there next year. So that I would say. And then I would say the Knicks adding Josh Hart. Josh Hart gives the Knicks the depth and also makes Jalen Brunson a very happy man. They're making. They're giving, uh, they're giving their superstar player something to look forward to and, and playing and, and playing the way he has been playing all season long. They gave one of his best friends uh, to the Knicks. So the Knicks are positioned very, very well. Uh, and they have money, too, next year because they're going to trade Fournier. Right. They're going to move him one way or another. And they have all these first-round draft picks. I, I, I was speaking to Josh today, and he says, what do the Knicks need all these first-round draft picks? Why couldn't they just trade those first-round picks for Levine? I don't think the first-round draft picks were holding them back. It was Obi Toppin and Grimes. I don't think the Knicks want to trade Quentin Grimes. I, I think they're so embedded in Quentin Grimes right now after not trading him for uh, for Donovan Mitchell. They have no interest in trading him for Zach Levine. So... And that's what that was the guy that they wanted. That was the lead guy. It right. seems like that's what everybody wants is Quentin Grimes. Right. Ideal three and D guy at the very lowest, but we also seen him be a prolific scorer beyond that, too, in recent success. When the uh great coach of Tom Thibodeau actually decides to give him some playing time, you're actually seeing him develop for once. Mm-hmm. And we're still waiting for, by the way, we're still waiting for ex Eagles, Texans, Giants, Chiefs, and Bear Safety, Quentin Demps. It is Super Bowl week. I don't know if he's on other podcasts or other radio shows uh, throughout the country, so I'm sure he's been very, very busy, you know, jumping from one show to the other. So whenever he comes in, if he comes in, uh, we will get him on. If not, we'll reach out to him and find out. It's been hard for the last couple of weeks, I mean, to get some of these football, ex-football players on because of the Super Bowl and because of their family situations, their stuff going on off the field. So, uh, but... uh, Again, happy uh, if we can get Quentin Demps on the show tonight. If not, we'll get him on uh, sometime next week or the week after. So um, so the, the NBA trade downline, where would you rate the NBA trade downline from top to bottom, the top four teams? Yeah, I would say I would say definitely the Suns are number one easily. I, I, I they were my again they were my pick to win it all at the start of the year, and yeah, they had some underperforming stretches. But remember, they also started like twenty and six too, and that was without Kevin Durant. Now they bring in Kevin Durant when he does come back healthy, so he'll be out for probably another three weeks. But they're definitely number one. I don't even care what seed they are. Uh, number two is I, I would say is the Lakers because the Lakers now give leeway to have LeBron have that kind of move that he wants to do. And if LeBron is going to stay a Laker, that's what they're going to have. 
have to have him do because LeBron's a very weird player because he's just been so powerful as a GM player, whatever you want to call him. And if they want to, if the Lakers are trying to have that saving grace, like the Nets tried to do many times without a lot of draft picks and young players, they're going to have to make that kind of thing work. Uh, I also like uh, Milwaukee. They trade for Jay Crowder. I think that adds some depth that they need with all the injuries that they've had this season. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton's been out at certain points this year. And Milwaukee, when they were struggling, they were struggling because Giannis really had to do everything defensively. And now they had a good defender. They had a good defender in James Wiseman that I think really does help. And the Clippers, too. I like I like Bones Highland as a young point guard. I think he's very underrated. I expected the Clippers to do more. At, but here's the thing. I like I like them getting all the extra draft picks, too. And Eric Gordon. Gordon, too, who could be, he's a very good playoff uh, player. Old man Eric Gordon. And he's a good playoff player, though. I think he, they could use somebody like that because the Clippers, they had the one stretch where they went to the Western Conference. Who finals. is the coach of the Clippers? Ty, Ty Lue. Ty I don't love him either, but. Tyrone Lue. I'm not okay. saying, I'm, not, I'm saying I trust Ty Lue. Do you but... believe without LeBron James, this guy is actually going to win a championship? No. I like Kawhi Leonard. I think he's a great player, and he, as the season progressively has moved, he's on my fantasy team. He's playing great basketball right now. But the guy can't be consistent because he can't play consistent games because he can't stay healthy. I worry about his knee. I worry about his the 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 health problems with the Clippers. I think the Clippers could be a dangerous team. The problem with them is the injuries. Oh, sure. And 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 the point guard position too. Right. And the lack of the point guard position. But again, I think that's also different from this current front office operation versus their past. I'm not saying the Clippers have made great decisions all the time. I I don't like the decision to hire Ty Lue either. Now he again he was good in that one postseason with. Kawhi Leonard hurt. They still beat Utah to get to the Western Conference Finals and hung tough with Phoenix. Fine. But, yeah, I'm not going to trust that in saying they're going to be elevated to my top three championship contenders of the Western Conference. But I do think the moves were good. They got rid of John Wall's contract, still got a good point guard, and got a good shooter who's been good in the postseason in the past for Houston when somebody, a.k.a. James Harden, decides to sink in the postseason. Eric Gordon has saved him a bunch of times. And also, when you you look at the standings and you look from the East and the West, and and the East... uh, all season long, Boston and Milwaukee have been the best teams in the East. It really has been. They've been, and and Boston losing their coach in the beginning of the year, all that craziness before the season even started, and and what they really have done in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference has so much more depth than the Western Conference right now. With Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Miami, New York, I, the, I think. Slowly but surely, Brooklyn will fall. It's going to be a challenge for Miami and New York because I do believe that Miami and New York can catch up to Cleveland, especially with the injuries right now. Donovan Mitchell isn't 100% healthy. Garland isn't 100% healthy with his thumb problem again. Uh, After he heard it in the beginning of the season, he hasn't been 100% healthy. Garland's playing great, but he can't stay healthy. Donovan Mitchell's having an MVP year. He's not obviously going to win the MVP. But uh, the Eastern Conference is so open as far as uh, three, four, five, and six, and and seven. It's open. And even Atlanta, which is 28 and 28 right now, what are they? Uh, They're six games behind Cleveland Mm -hmm. or Philadelphia. recently, yeah. Yeah, well, that's because of the injuries. Right. So the Eastern Conference is so wide open. The Eastern Conference is going to be much more fun to watch in the playoffs than the West. Because the West, I don't, I don't want to hear about, well, you know, when Steph Curry comes back, Golden State's going to figure things out. Golden State is getting old. Klay Thompson isn't the same Klay Thompson. Especially defensively. He's not. Steph could shoot. He could score. Great. He's fantastic. Draymond Green's getting old. He wants a new contract. He's going to be looking for a new contract in the offseason, not from Golden State. 
They paid uh, Jordan um, Poole. Jordan Poole. They, they. I thought Jordan Poole and Wiseman were their future. Wiseman's gone now. He goes to the Pistons, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's Jordan Poole. You, you, they paid Jordan Poole a lot of money, $170 million for what? A fourth or fifth option on this team. Right. He's going to have to become a lot more than that. 100%. They, if, if he's going to be if worth they have that a chance. contract. If they have a chance. Right. And he was, besides Steph Curry's final. Uh, and why did, Min- by the way, well, hold on one second. Why did Minnesota trade D'Angelo Russell? I, was he having problems over there with Carl Anthony Towns? Is this another story that Carl Anthony Towns yeah. can't get, uh, or obviously can't get along with players? Yeah, he's a perfect fit for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Carl Anthony Towns has had problems year in and year out with uh, certain players. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get along with certain players. And and I don't know if it's true. And Carl Anthony Towns, he's a great player. Is he having a great season? He's not. No, and neither is Gobert. Gobert uh, defensively has been down for his season. We knew this, this was year. going to happen yeah. with Gobert. Right. We knew that they over they, they traded a lot for Gobert. They gave up like four first-round draft picks for Gobert, or three. That's a lot for a center. And a guy that offensively is not that good. He right. is a great rebounder, great blocker, probably one of the better defenders in the league. And I understand their weakness was in the paint defensively because Carl Anthony Towns is more of a shooter, an offensive player, than a defensive player. But Carl Anthony Towns, and you have these two guys on one team, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, there's no reason why this team isn't a top-four, top-five team. Remember, everyone was saying the, the Timberwolves would be team of the future, too. Them and the Sixers at the time. The Sixers were trust the process, and the Timberwolves were the team of the future. And the Timberwolves, they've That's made the playoffs twice in that They're span. drowning. Right. One of them was an eight seed, and they lost in the first round, I think, against Houston. And the other one was last year. By the way, that wasn't a chicken. I wasn't gobbling. I was <laughs> drowning. And as Just a result... So you know. Players like Carl Anthony Towns have underwhelmed in certain playoff games. You you got depth players that aren't playing great. And a lot of the other young pieces that they drafted have not been good draft prospects either. And as a result, they, they haven't been able to develop that same way. And this is in a Western Conference, too, that they have good teams here and there, but it's not like the super deep Western Conference you saw probably five years ago or six years ago where they, they had a ton of teams that were very good. And like Keith is saying, yes, the West is very wide open because three through like 12 in the West right now are separated by all like five games. And the Grizzlies, who are the second seed right now, have lost five of their last six games. And Dylan Brooks is having all kinds of issues on the court. He's turning into the their version of Draymond Green. He got suspended for a game against the Cavs. Uh, hit uh, tripping Donovan Mitchell and John Morant had that issue off the court with his, his friends or whatever it was that were involved in, in, in a security guard incident. So they're mm-hmm. all distracted. <laughs> so they're falling apart. And now the Suns might rise into that second team. Now getting Kevin Durant, depending on when he's healthy. Uh, and Anthony Edwards is having a fantastic year and 21 year old kid who everybody thought wanted to play football and didn't want to play basketball right. and could have been drafted into the NFL and, he, he decided to play basketball, and look what he is doing. 21 years old, uh, 24.7, six rebounds, 4.6 assists a game, shooting 12 shots a game, and he's still averaging 24 points. I mean, this guy could do it all, and I I think he's the best player on this team. Carl Anthony Towns, I would look, if they're, if they're trading away players like D'Angelo Russell right now, they're looking to possibly rebuild it. It's crazy to say that when you gave up uh, a significant amount for Rudy Gobert and paying Rudy Gobert. 
But if I were them right now, I'd build my team around Anthony Edwards, keep Rudy Gobert there, and, and try to get back some of those draft picks for Carl Anthony Towns in the offseason. That's what I think they should do. Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that's getting paid a lot of money, a lot. And for a guy that's making a lot of money, averaging 20.8 points a game and eight rebounds a game and five assists, here's who's been a better player than him this year. Julius Randle. Oh, Julius Randle has had a better season than Carl Anthony Towns. That is scary. When Carl Anthony Towns is making over $200 million and Julius Randle is making, it's a bargain contract for the Knicks as far as everybody's concerned, even though he's the bricklayer, and I just think he stinks. But if you look at Julius Randle's numbers to Carl Anthony Towns, they're, they're not... Carl Anthony Towns is not even close to what Julius Randle is doing right now with the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary part. And like Keith was saying, he's a guy that really has not done well with chemistry with other players, too. The, the, they've had talent. The, the Timberwolves, they traded for, they, they drafted Zach Levine, they traded for Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins they drafted, and he's done better in Golden State. Uh, you thought he should have been finals MVP, I mm-hmm. remember that. Mm-hmm. And they were not able to grow the game together. And again, some of it had to do with the relationship with Thibodeau. And I think as a whole, you're not getting that product that you drafted Towns to be as a franchise cornerstone type player. And since then, they've had to go to such extreme measures. They progressed nicely last year when nobody expected them to be a playoff team last year. They won a playoff series, or they won the playing games. They hung tough with the good Grizzlies team in that first round, but then they just went to such extreme measures. Yes, their defense was horrible, but trading four first-round picks for a traditional center in today's NBA? Listen to this. Julius Randle is averaging 24.7 points a game, 10.9 rebounds a game, and 4.2 assists a game. I mean, he's having a much better season than and and to than Carl Anthony Towns. It's, it's actually embarrassing. If Julius Randle is outplaying you as the superstar, you are the the face of that franchise. You ask anybody who the face of the Timberwolves are, it is Carl Anthony Towns. And Carl Anthony Towns isn't having the year that everybody expected him adding Rudy Gobert and taking the pressure off of him. It, to me, uh, it's it's bye bye time. If I were the Timberwolves in the offseason. I build my team around Anthony Edwards. He's 21 years old. He's got a tremendous amount of talent. Uh, you you traded away picks. Trade trade Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe trade him to the Knicks and and maybe you get Julius Randle in and four first round draft picks. I think that would be more worth it if I were if I were the. Uh, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Keith says Towns would do great on the Knicks. Well, mm-hmm. we were actually thinking he was going to get traded there like two years ago. Yes. And that never happened. The only question then... is it work with Thibodeau. And if you, right. if you bring Carl Anthony Towns there, do you fire Thibodeau? Because Leon Rose used to be Carl Anthony Towns' agent. Mm-hmm. So maybe you fire Thibodeau and you bring in a Kenny Atkinson. Uh, Kenny Atkinson works very good again, very good with younger players. And then maybe you bring Carl Anthony Towns and you build your team around Carl Anthony Towns and Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. That's true. I never thought of that. You yeah. wonder if that's the reason the Knicks maybe didn't want to do Levine right away either. Maybe if they fire Thibodeau in the offseason, then they'll trade they for could. Levine. They yeah. could. They could. Because he had issues with Thibodeau, too. I forgot about that. Yes, he did. So it, it's it's interesting. And I'm I'm intrigued to see what is going to happen in the offseason. Knicks are right now very much in a playoff spot, have a very good opportunity to make noise in the playoffs this year, especially adding heart to the the mix of this team, which I believe is one has one of the best depth uh, benches in the NBA right now. I think uh, probably top five when it comes to benches in the NBA. Adding Hart coming off the bench now, it just gives them more 
impact in, in the game when they need for, when it comes to rebounding and uh, steals and defense that they desperately need in the second uh, the secondary of that, that offense. Uh, I just want to go back to one of Keith's comments as well. He said the Lakers too. I only said that though because they're, they shed the money of Russell Westbrook. That was $47 million for a guy that has really struggled the last couple of years, especially with his efficiency on the court. Oh, Jeff is back. Towns yeah. wouldn't be great with the Knicks. <laughs> of course. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I knew Jeff was going to say something crazy. Super Bowl is Sunday, and Captain Clown Shoes is talking about the Knicks. Uh, it's the NBA trade deadline, and uh, we're waiting for our next guest. Uh, he doesn't seem like he's going to show up, so we're probably not going to have him on the show tonight. Uh, we want to apologize, whoever but whoever was waiting for safety, Quentin Demps. Uh, we'll reach out to him, and we'll get him on the show. It, it's Super Bowl week. It's busy, yeah. and I'm sure he's been very, very busy. I know he was on... I was checking out. He was on a podcast uh, this morning, okay. and, he, and I think he was also on ESPN uh, from where he is. So, okay, yeah, um, he might be all talked out. So no, he might be because he's. A, I I was looking it up last week. He's one of the I think one of like six players who played for Andy Reid in both locations with the Eagles, and then the, his first year with the Chiefs in 2013 was Andy Reid's first year as a coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I was I was curious to get something like that on. I, I reached out to him and Jeremy Macklin. Uh, Chad Hall was another one who I think is now a I like coach. Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. I, no, I did too. I see just, everybody wearing Jeremy Macklin jerseys right now. Yeah, he was he was a very underrated wide receiver. He was never number one because of Deshaun Jackson, but he was always very talented. And even that first couple of years with the Chiefs, he was pretty good too. And then the Chiefs had that weird touchdown drought of not having a touchdown to a wide receiver until Tyreek Hill came in in 2015. Before we get into some football, because we have – Head, Mr. Uh, Jeff speaking because we have to speak about the Super Bowl because not nobody knows about what's going to happen in the Super Bowl or their thoughts that could happen in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Rangers acquired Vladimir Tarasenko and defense and Nico Mikola uh, from the Bulls for from the Blues for a first round and fourth round pick. Uh, winger Sammy Blaze and uh, uh, I'm sorry and prospect Hunter Skinner. So uh, the Rangers won on this deal. They absolutely – Vladimir Tarasenko is really a borrowed player. They're renting him. Uh, He is a great playoff player. The Rangers need uh, a goal scorer in the playoffs. They've had problems putting the puck in the net. You saw it last year against Tampa. Uh, I think adding a piece – they need another another player. Maybe they bring Mott back. Uh, That could happen. Uh, There is stories coming out that they've reached out to Ottawa and maybe – uh, working on a deal uh, to send Mott back to the Rangers. It could help them. But Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico uh, Mikola, he, he's a good defenseman. He's a third, I would say third-line defense for the Rangers. You can add him over there with Schneider or something like that. Mm-hmm. That could help out uh, the depth of the Rangers' defense. But I, I love the deal for the Rangers. Everybody's sitting here, and I, I know Josh said, go ahead, rank on the Rangers. This was making it seem like it was a bad deal. A bad deal. This was a good deal for the Rangers. The question is, and he says they didn't give up much. They gave up a first-round draft pick. That could be a good first-round draft pick. You don't know what that guy's going to be well, or what, they, what he turns out to be. This is a borrowed player. That first-round pick could be a guy that's going to give another team 35, a 35-goal 35 score. So you don't know what that's going to be for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the condition with that is they because the, the Rangers have two first round draft picks. They got one from Dallas before the season started mm-hmm. when they traded Nils Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. So the Blues actually they the the Rangers actually give the Blues whatever the whatever pick is later in the first round too. So doesn't be, matter being the Rangers still a first round draft pick. No, I know being the Rangers and the Stars are both 
good teams right now. Obviously, the NHL playoffs is a crapshoot. They could both get knocked out early yeah. for all we know, for anything like that. But even so. And right now, the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and so is Dallas. Dallas, I think, is first in their division right now by a pretty good uh, pretty good margin, at least to be number two, because them and Winnipeg are kind of running away with that. They're going to be a playoff team, too. But, but again, NHL playoffs, anything could happen. But either way, that pick is going to be probably no earlier or no later than uh, 16 through 16 through 20 probably in the again it doesn't matter you don't know what that pick's going to bring and what that pick could be in the future the Tarasenko is a rented player now if he if the Rangers get knocked out in the first round and and Tarasenko's a good player and you're going to put him with Panarin you're going to put him with Zabinijad it's going to be a good line it's going to give them that winger that they've needed. It's not going to be Vessi. Vessi is not going to be playing on the first line anymore. You're going to move Vessi to fourth line or maybe the third line. So now the Rangers have a good top three that is going to take this team into the playoffs and maybe make a run. But Tarasenko hasn't been healthy really for the last couple of years. He's been fighting um, health problems. Uh, He played in the All-Star game for the Blues uh, because the Blues really – had nobody this year playing well. Nobody on the Blues is playing well. Right. I mean, so Tarasenko has 10 goals and, what, 29 points in, in 30-something games. He makes the All-Star team, okay? I, I I don't know how, but he was, you know, Josh, Josh, who's a big Ranger fan, he said he didn't even know he made the All-Star team. But he did. He played in the All-Star game. And that's, that's what Wes was saying last week on, on the weekend crunch, too. Like, the Eastern Conference is just that much better this year than the West. Oh, it's, it's so much better. It's and like, there's, it's, like, probably only, like, three teams that can make the going, cup in the West. You're going to see three teams in the Eastern Conference that are good that make the playoffs. Yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. And right now, it would be the Islanders, Buffalo. These are good teams. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo is another team that could definitely still make noise at this trade deadline, too. We've seen them linked to both Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane. So it'll be, it could go with them. Again, the Capitals and Penguins are in the spots right now, but the uh, the, the Capitals, do, uh, don't. they only have this one game at hand on the Islanders right now, and they're only up by three points. So they could lose that spot very easily, too. And in the West, you really have it where there's only, like, three good teams in the West right now that have played well. Vegas, consistently, Dallas, and Winnipeg have been the only three teams, really, at the moment. Colorado's still picking it up nicely and still could be good and so could Minnesota, but they've been down this year for what they're supposed to be. Mm. And then Seattle's the other breakthrough in the West, but are we going to trust them in the playoffs? I don't know. It's crazy. There's so many things that could happen, and the trade deadline's not for another month. Mm-hmm. It's not until next month. So you have March. I think it's March 11th or something. I think it's something. March 3rd. Is it March 3rd? Yeah. It's, it's a good almost month away. So there's a lot of things that could happen. You heard Lou Lamorella come out and say that he is going to watch the next six to seven games with the Islanders to decide if they're going to be buyers or sellers. They gave Horvat the contract because he's a part of their future. So is Barzell. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that might not be a part of the future for the New York Islanders. So uh, the Islanders could very much. They lost this game against Vancouver tonight. This is a game they should have won. They had the lead all game. And then in the, in the third period, again, coughing up the game. And Sorokin, he's a fantastic goalie. But in in some of these games, he gives up so many bad goals. And it's cost the Islanders. I don't blame him. I think it's the defense. I think it's the problem, the way they're running their offense right now. But... Um, Lou has already come out and say said that he is not he is not going to make any drastic moves. He's going to wait and he's going to watch where this team is by the end of this month, and then he's going to decide if he's buy, he's a buyer or a seller. Mm-hmm. So I I think, and I'll say it again. I still think the Islanders should be sellers. I still think they should be sellers. That's just my opinion. 
Especially with Varlamov. You, you definitely have to see what you can get with him because there's, it's a very thin goaltending year, especially in the West. You have a chance next – you have a possible $14 million that you can spend in the offseason. Trade away one, two, three players, move that to $20 million, and then go after – you have Bo Horvat, you have Barcel. Go after two good young players right. in free agency next year. And then you really put your teams in, team in position to be uh, a contender. So that's what I would do. But, yeah. again, I don't know what Lou's plan is. He's 80 years old, a little wet behind the ears, and he doesn't want to walk away from this season. But, again, the Islanders are five. They have five games in hand on Buffalo. Buffalo has five games in hand for the island against the uh, for the to, to catch the Islanders. That's right. ten points, mm-hmm. and they got they and they're got, only three points ahead of them. And they also got three on the Capitals too, who only lead the Islanders by three points in that first wild card spot. Too, yeah, so. and Pittsburgh has I think three too. Yeah, Pitt, P- Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has three on the Islanders. The Capitals only have one on the Islanders, and they only have a three point lead on them too. So that means they they have only one on the Sabers and or the, the Sabres have three on them. So it's going to be a lot. And again, like I said, Buffalo could still go after something big too, but the Islanders. Yeah. It definitely makes sense for them to try to trade one of those big yeah. contracts, especially mm-hmm. Varlamov, because I think the goalie market is really thin where a playoff team could definitely use him. Even if he's not a starter, just even just use him as a one, a one B type. Cause we've seen a lot of teams platoon goaltenders too. So they definitely have to explore that market and Mayfield too. Maybe is another one, another option. But I would trade him. Yeah. I, they're not going to resign him. I, I Again, I don't know how much you're going to get for the... Uh, the go- because Mayfield and Ajo are going to be free agents. I would sign Ajo. Definitely. He's the younger player. And and, and either you trade Mayfield at the trade deadline and get something back for him. Maybe you trade him to his hometown, St. Louis. They're looking for defense right. and get something back for him. A player and maybe a pick, a second-round pick, and move on from him. Or you sign him in the offseason and you move on. I, I don't think you need Mayfield. You have a lot of good... I wouldn't say a lot. You have three... Really good prospects right now in the junior divisions. You drafted two really good defensemen in this past year's draft that you believe George. Everybody thinks is going to be the 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 the. Um, I think he's a Swedish kid or Finnish Finnish kid. I think it's a Finnish kid that they drafted in the first, the second round this past year. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, they have they have some good prospects in their farm system as far as defense is concerned, and maybe they should move on from Mayfield, get something back for him. That's mm-hmm. where I think they should. And still, they still have Robin Salo, too. They should be giving yes. more playing time, too, if they want him to develop as well. I so. think he's. I think they sent it back. Did they send him back to Yeah, AHL? they've sent him back like three different times this year yeah. already. And they're not, again, he's not going to be able to develop if they don't give him enough playing time. But yeah, yeah I, but either, either way, they have to try to get younger in that area. Uh, Keith says, Errol, you're right. They should definitely be sellers. They, they can't win the cup. This you, see, year. you see, I will say this, Keith, and I, I want to get into football. I will say this. If they make the playoffs, they have the defense and they have the goalie that they can get hot and, and go through the playoffs. Sorokin is a great goaltender. If Sorokin can get hot, they can absolutely make noise in the playoffs. So I would say they should be sellers and try to build in the offseason, try to bring in players to play with Porvat and play with Barzell. But in in essence to where this team is as an organization right now and the Eastern Conference being as good as it is, I would probably be sellers and, and look to the offseason and and bring in Lou will bring in players that fit his scheme and what he is looking for. He likes those rough players, those guys that can win faceoffs, the the Bo Horvats. That's what he likes. He likes guys and over the years 
I, I'm not sure what Lou has wanted or liked, but I remember uh, the devil years where, where Lou brought in guys like Jason Arnott. He, you know, he, he drafted players like Scott Niedermeyer, uh, you know, Bobby Holik. He, he liked those guys. He, he liked those rough guys that could put the puck in the net, the scrappy guys, and that's what he likes. And again, you need those types of pieces to finish your roster, too, because you, you could have all the offensive talent you want, but you still need those other guys to make it work, too. That's what you saw the Blackhawks do, and that's what you saw Tampa do recently, too, after years of not doing it. Now let's get into the Super Bowl, because uh, we have an hour and a half. We're going to do our picks, and uh, we'll have Derek joining us. Maybe we'll have Jeff join us and be the pain in the butt that he usually is, uh, and his jokes with Dak Prescott, but uh, to me, I look at the Super Bowl, and there's so many questions about this game. There is so many questions, because to me, looking at the quarterback position, I still think Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback, but with Patrick Mahomes' injury and the high ankle sprain, how how healthy is he? How healthy is he going into this game? If he's going to be a pocket quarterback, he's not at his best. He is at his best when he moves out of the pocket and makes plays with his legs. If he can't do this in this game, he couldn't do it in the Bengals game. The only reason why they won the Bengals game is because I believe in the fourth fourth quarter the referees were horrible. It was horrible. Some of the the penalties that um that the Bengals got in the fourth quarter were absolutely for Kansas City. 100%. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why Kansas City won. But it was definitely one of the big reasons. Patrick Mahomes says his ankle is way better, expected to be at full strength. He is not going to be at full strength. I have spoken to doctors. I have talked to physical physical therapists. They all told me, all of them told me, a high ankle sprain could take four to five weeks, especially football players that play on turf. So he will not be at 100%. And by the way, with the five or six beasts that they're going to have come off the line, the way the Eagles played against the 49ers, against a good offensive line like the 49ers and Trent Williams, it is not going to be simple, as simple as it was against the Bengals. The Bengals have a good pass rush. They, are, they do. Hendrickson was not 100% healthy. He wasn't. That that the, the edges were not 100%. Both guys off the edge with the Bengals were not 100% healthy. You look at this game, it, it, it has to be about coaching. Andy Reid is going to absolutely out-coach Sirianni in this game if the Kansas City Chiefs have a chance to win this game. I don't care what Las Vegas has as far as the betting line right now. I think it's really even. Yeah, it's been Eagles minus one. Or one and a half most of the week. It's been practically yeah. even. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I think the Eagles are much better. Jalen Hurts, yes, he's coming off a sh- injured shoulder. He did not look injured. And I know he didn't throw the ball a lot against the 49ers. He actually threw the least uh, for an NFC quarterback. I think it's fifth least in NFL NFC history, I think it is. Yep, it's the fifth lowest in NFL history and only the second time it's happened in the 21st century in this heavy quarterback era. The only other one, ironically, was the 49ers with Jimmy G against the Packers when Raheem Mostert just ran wild on them. Reporter told Jalen Hurts that uh, he was sorry for thinking he couldn't lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. 
Hurts replied, cool. That's what he said. And you want to know something? Jalen Hurts, if there's any quarterback that is not all about himself, all about the team, doesn't try to play in on what people say about him, it's him. Patrick Mahomes hates when people talk about him. Patrick Mahomes, when he scores a touchdown or he comes back from, you know, being down by three or seven where everybody thinks you see him on the sidelines trying to, you know, get the crowd to go you know crazy and all that other stuff. You saw that against the Bengals in Kansas City. You didn't see Jalen Hurts get happy until he was singing the Eagles song after they won. Because Jalen Hurts always believed, and he has said that, I've heard him at, at different times when he's been interviewed, that the game is never over until at zero. So he doesn't believe they win, even if they're up by 20 with 40 seconds left. Andy Reid said, facing his former team, 14 years there, a long time. Reid said in an exclusive interview with KSHB 41 News, fond memories there. This is the Andy Reid ball. Andy Reid has a chance to knock off the team that he couldn't win with in the Super Bowl. He took this team, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, to the Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. Two, uh, Donovan McNabb, who's not a Hall of Famer, could be. He's probably not going into the Hall of Fame. But Terrell Owens is. And at the time, they had practically a broken leg. Had 100 yards in that game. Had a touchdown in the game. He, he did everything he can to put that team on his back. Still couldn't win against the New England Patriots. Chris Jones this week takes a shot at Joe Burrow, saying he's uh, he is his favorite quarterback to sack after having two of the Chiefs sacks of uh, two of the Chiefs five sacks in the AFC Championship game win. How many times have you heard Chris Jones speak out and attack a quarterback in the last past two years? I don't remember, and maybe because. Uh, you know, the mayor of Cincinnati opened his mouth and said, it's the, it's Burrow, what do you call it? Burrowhead. Burrowhead. And Kelsey didn't like it. And you know the organization didn't like it. And that, some, that gave them fuel in that game. An arrowhead. After losing three games in a row against the Bengals. And if, if Joe Burrow did it again, that would have been four in a row. And how many, how many players could say they beat Patrick Mahomes four times and three times in, in Patrick Mahomes' land? Not even Tom Brady can say that. Travis Kelsey says he's already tired about the Kelsey Ball, the Kelsey Ball storyline. Who can, and, and Travis Kelsey, I have a lot of respect for Travis Kelsey. I think he's the best tight end I've ever seen. He's better than Gronkowski. He's better than Tony Gonzalez. He's better than all those guys. I, I, I believe he is. I think he's proven to be better. You you heard it. You you heard um, you heard Seth Kaiser say it. There's only one offensive player that's had better numbers than Travis Kelsey in the time that he's played in the playoffs, and that's Jerry Rice, arguably the greatest player to play football. That's how good Travis Kelsey is. Nick Sirianni gets asked weird questions about who he had, who he let his daughter date on the Eagles. I don't know how old his daughter is. Five. It's five years old. <laughs> and 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 by the way, who cares? 
Who cares? Why would Nick Sirianni care about his five-year-old daughter dating one of his players? That's exactly what Seth was saying. Like, with the bye week, you get all these weird questions. I'm surprised Andy Reid hasn't been asked what his post-game meal I mean, like doesn't this times? bother you if you're if you're a football fan and you're you're looking forward to this game? This is the battle of the number ones. Kansas City Chiefs, they were the number one in the AFC and the number one in the Eagles. When was the last time two number ones played against each other? It was the Patriots and the Seahawks, I believe. How long ago was that? Uh, Super Bowl 50-49. Now, Panthers and Broncos were too, 50, Super Bowl 50, even though the Broncos didn't feel like It doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen often. Especially recently, we've seen a lot of number one seeds upset in the second round of the playoffs, too. The Ravens did it, the Titans, and the Packers last year did it. And we sit here, and we, we can argue the points of where this game is going to go. We, we Again, we had Seth on the show, and he had his thoughts, and he's a Kansas City writer. So he's not going to pick against, against Kansas City. The Eagles are flat-out better than Kansas City. Flat-out better in every kind of way, except coaching. And I, they're not much better as far as I'm concerned for coaching. I think Nick Sirianni has proven that he can coach in this league. He can coach. He took the same team that Doug Peterson have. I mean, obviously you added a couple of pieces here. Darius Slay and, and the, the secondary, Bradbury and, and, and Johnson. You did do that. And you added like Adamic and Sue and Linval Joseph. Yeah, but there's a lot of players on this team that was a part of that Doug Peterson's team. That offensive line's practically all Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts was there when they won the Super Bowl, wasn't he? No. No, Jaylen, he wasn't. Jalen Hurts was a 2020 draft That's right. Pick. That's right. So that was Doug Peterson's last That's year. That's right. There. It was Nick Falls and, uh, you know, yes. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. But yeah, because mo- he got mo- hurt that year. I think I, most of that offensive linemen. I forgot. It yeah. was the year after. But you're right. I think most of the offensive linemen were there when Peterson was drafted, with the they exception were. of Landon Dickerson. And, and the, the, the wide after. receivers are obviously different. And, right. And and the running backs are different. Sanders wasn't there. It was a different running game. But they, to me, the way they've run their offense this year was the same way they run their off. They ran their offense with Doug Peterson. They run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, then throw. Run the ball, run the ball, then throw. And this is one of the best running teams, if not the best running team in football. They love to run the ball. They have a three-headed monster, and they're not going to sit here. They know Kansas City's weak. As far as stopping the run, they're 20th in the league. They're fifth in the league in running the ball. Mm-hmm. And they also know, too, that they got to keep, even though he has the bum ankle, that they have to keep Mahomes off the field at all costs, too. So why not try to wear him out early, especially with the pass rush, too? You want to wear you know, him Je- out. You know, Jeff, he has a lot to say. And I said, I said, this is practically the same. He says, oh, A.J. Brown, Devonta. Yeah, we, we understand they added <laughs> players. Of course, Jordan Davis. <laughs> We understand they added players, as every team does every single damn year. But this was the same offensive line. The two, two very big players on that front seven were a part of that team. Cox and Graham, they're all there. So to say, how many times could you say that a team, besides your dumb Patriots, by the way, how many times do you see the Eagles, the Eagles... They haven't won a Super Bowl until they beat the, the New England Patriots. That was the first time they won a Super Bowl. This, If they win again, that's two Super Bowls in five years. How many teams have done that in the last five years? The answer? None. The Chiefs would be the same if they did it. They mm-hmm. won, so either one, whoever wins this game yeah. would have that feat. 100%. When we're talking about a dynasty... 
When we're, the NFL, it's very hard to find dynasties now in the NFL because it's not that easy to win Super Bowls. Yeah. And yes, Tom Brady did it. So you're going to sit here and say, uh, uh, the goat, the goat. Uh. Yeah, good. But I will say that this game is definitely open for Kansas City to surprise everybody and put up points. If Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, if Juju Smith-Schuster is healthy. And, and, and this secondary is it's probably the best secondary Kansas City's played all season long. They didn't play the Jets. But this, this is really flat out the best all-around secondary in football. So, again, you look at the game, and, 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 and again, we're trying to compare and contrast, and the, the Chiefs' offense is ranked first explosive play, uh, with explosive plays, rushing plays of 10 or more yards, passing plays of 20 or more yards, and the Eagles are, were fourth. These offenses are amongst the league's best, top five in the league. Top five, both of them. But here's the difference. The Eagles are the third best defense in all of football. And the Chiefs are 12th. That's a significant that's a significant difference. That is. Travis Kelsey leads all tight ends with 20 catches or 20 or more yards. The Eagles have two players in the top 20 of explosive plays this season. AJ Brown having 23 catches or 20 plus yards and Devontae Smith having 18. The matchup features two teams with the highest sack totals in the NFL, with the Eagles leading the league with 70 total sacks, and the Chiefs second with 55. According to Pro Football Focus, the Eagles have the number one rated offensive line, and the Chiefs have the number three overall in the league. Jason Kelsey nor Landon Dickerson have given up a single quarterback pressure this postseason, while tackle Jordan Malida has only given up one, and Lane Johnson has only given up two, playing with an injured leg. The Eagles ran over 148 total yards against the 49ers, uh, run defense, which was ranked number one. The Chiefs' run defense is ranked number eight overall, but is 15th when it comes to yards per carry. The Chiefs have been the best team at spreading the ball around this season. I wonder why. In terms of air yards, the Chiefs are the only team with no receivers accounting for more than 26% of receiving yards. Scantling leads at 25.5, and Travis Kelsey is 24%. The Chiefs' red zone defense is their significant flaw, ranking 31st, 31st in terms of touchdown rate given up at 67.3%. Chris Jones leads the NFL at pass yard win rate, which is 21.5%, while being double teamed 69.2% of all uh, of of the uh, I'm sorry, of the time. Meanwhile, Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson have not given up a quarterback pressure all playoff long. 
you look at you look at these statistics, and and we could go up and down every single statistic of this game, and they're so close because of what these two teams have done in their respectable divisions. Do I think the Kansas City Chiefs had to play more talent in the the AFC than the Eagles? Absolutely did. Absolutely did. They're in a harder division, even though the Broncos stunk this year. And the Chargers, you know, limped into the playoffs. The Chargers are good. They just stick against the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs had to go through good teams. They had to play the Bengals. They had to play this team. They had to play Baltimore. They had to play so many good teams this year to get where they are today. And they were the number one seed. The Eagles, who did they have to beat? The Giants, who had no offense, barely had an offensive line. Yeah, it's the same NFC East schedule. Had no wide receivers. Same NFC East schedule that you called soft for the Giants. The Eagles had a lot of those teams, too, outside of the uh, second-place schedule, which was the Saints and the Cardinals, which both underperformed this year, too. The Washington, what do they call themselves? Guardians? Commanders. I'm commanders, I'm sorry. The Washington Commanders. I, I, let's call them the Washington Idiots. Yeah, I'm so I still vote for the replacements. Washington Sentinels for the win. As far as Schneider's concerned, they're the idiots. Oh, yeah. There is that. <laughs> they had to play them twice. Are they any good? Honestly, they should have made the playoffs. The last four games, oh, they yeah. looked like crap. Yeah, they shouldn't have lost to the Browns. <laughs> There's nobody in the NFC besides maybe three or four teams that are worth talking about. And the Eagles... Like you said, Speedy, all the good quarterbacks that they played against this year, that defense has not played well against. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the second halves, too, they've let teams back in the game. So if the Eagles have started, not necessarily slow, but have just started on a basic rate, they haven't been as well. Now, I'm not saying they lose every game because of that, but there's a lot of games that they've played down to teams because of that in the latter parts of the season. Now, early on, they were dominating. They had the highest point differential in the league for much of the first, I think, seven weeks of the season. They blew out the Vikings. They, they granted, they played against Cooper Rush, but they blew out the Cowboys. But besides that, they, you're right. They weren't really doing it on good teams. But... Keith says the NFC East was better than the AFC West. I beg to differ. Who did the NFC East beat this year? As a matter of fact, how many 500 teams did the NFC East beat this year? That's the question, Keith. I don't know what the numbers are. We could find out. But I'm willing to bet you that the AFC West had more wins against uh, 500 teams than the NFC East. Yeah, it's interesting because the NFC West was the other hard opponent for the AFC West. And the 49ers were obviously as dominant as they were in Seattle. They were still over 500, so that technically counts for the Chiefs. That technically counts for all the other teams that beat the Seahawks in in that division. But, yeah, the... AFC South was the other glaring weakness that the, the AFC West got to play, whereas the NFC East got to play the NFC North. So that kind of cancels out in a sense. Now, the question is, the NFC East, would they have done as well as they did collectively if they didn't have to have that easy schedule as a whole? Because we knew the AFC West came into the season had more talent. The Giants weren't expected to be as good as they were talent-wise, because talent-wise they were very far behind at the beginning of the season. Same kind of thing with Washington. There were... The defense got better. We knew they were going to get better, but their offense played a little better than expected at certain points, too. But then they finally fell off as well. So I don't know if you can necessarily say that, Keith, definitively just because of records. Now, the Eagles are the best team of either division, but still, 
I'm a Giants fan. Like their talent is still kind of below average. It was better than expected this season, it's, especially defensively. But still, nah, I don't know if you can go that far. No, and, and if you look at the records, if you look at Kansas City Chiefs and their schedule and who they beat this year, they've beat some pretty good teams. It's not like they they ran through bad teams. Before the season, going into the season, they played the Cardinals. The Cardinals were expected to be a playoff team this year. They were expected to be a good team this year. They smacked the Cardinals 44-21. Then they beat the Chargers 27-24. Then they lost against the Colts, which everybody was so shocked about. (laughs) Then they beat the Buccaneers by 10. Then they beat uh, the Raiders by 1. Then they uh, they lost against the Bills. They beat the 49ers. They killed the 49ers 44-23. They beat the Titans. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Chargers again. They beat the Chargers twice, a team that made the playoffs. They beat the Rams. The Bengals beat them. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Texans. They beat the Seahawks. They beat the Broncos again. They beat the Raiders. I mean, their schedule wasn't hard. Okay, it really wasn't. We expected the schedule to be harder uh, because the Broncos were supposed to be good. The Raiders were supposed to be better after Devontae Adams and that offense. But because of the injuries and the defense, the way they played this year with the Raiders, they weren't as good as everybody thought they were going to be. And Derek Carr did not work out with Josh McDaniels. Who does? Also, the Bronco, are, are they in the NFC West, too. The Cardinals and the Rams were supposed to be better, too, than they were. Yeah, the Cardinals did stink, Keith. They did. Mm-hmm. But going into the season, honestly... A lot of people thought they were a 10 or 11 win team. They they were the one of the best teams in the NFC last year. Mm-hmm. They were. Nobody thought Kyler Murray was going to play the way he did this year. Not me. I'm right. sure you didn't, Speedy. No, 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 not that, not, not that bad. I had them as a nine and eight team in the last wild card team. I had the them NFC. as a ten win game. Yeah, I know. I think you had them as your first wild card team. But. Yep. Even so, like the Cardinals and the Rams both underperforming. Yes, one of them cancels out with the Seahawks. Everyone expected the Seahawks to be bad, and they were good. So, but still, both. No, they those... weren't. He's saying they weren't good. No, they weren't. But going into the season, they played them in the first game of the season when they were expected to be good. Right. And that was a, a Chiefs team that was transitioning with a lot of rookies and a lot of new faces on that offense and a, a whole really scheme switch, especially in that secondary. Like we were saying with Seth, there's there, a lot of the guys they got in the Tyreek Hill trade were just learning the defense at first, too. And the Cardinals, they had no Hopkins, yeah, but they still had other good receivers before uh, Rondell Moore got hurt and all that stuff. And obviously they lost Christian Kirk, but they still had targets to, to work with and take advantage of that team. And by the way, uh, Jeff is on the phone. It looks like Derek has arrived as well. Jeff, what's up, man? I got an issue with Speedy. Oh, got an issue with Speedy. What is your issue? You're, you're, you're saying, oh, the NFC East, not a lot of talent there. Oh, talent level. How many division winners did the, did the NFC East beat in the playoffs? How many division winners collectively? How many? Well, the Giants yeah, oh beat, yeah. The Giants beat the Vikings. The sure did. Eagles beat the 49ers, so that's two. Sure did. Okay. And 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 as much as I don't like their fans, the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers. All right, you're going to really winner. count the Buccaneers as a division winner. <laughs> did I? Did they win a division win? Did they win yeah, a division? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Okay, so then it, then it counts. Facts still matter. And then how many... Division winners did the AFC West beat. How many div- in the playoffs did the AFC West beat the Chiefs beat too? That's the same. So the East beat more. So you're saying they don't have talent, but the Giants are downing a division winner. The Cowboys are downing a division winner. The Eagles are downing a division winner. 
doesn't really matter. The, the East is taking out is the East is taking out all the teams. And and if we've learned nothing from past cowboy uh, teams and their idiot cowboy fans going, we have all the talent in the world. Well, if it doesn't play well together, you still blow donkey balls, don't you? <laughs> so having the most having the most amount of talent isn't what it's about. It's about playing well as a team and everyone rowing the boat in the same direction. And the and the NFC East did it better than. The, all the other teams and the AFC all of them. and the AFC version of that, the LA Chargers. Mm. Well, hey, listen, you can. Uh, there's something to be said for chokers, and you and you have a point there because some teams do. But there were a lot of good teams that the NFC Jeff, beat this year. Jeff, I have a question for you. When you look at the Eagles' schedule and the Kansas City Chiefs' schedule, who had a harder schedule? The I would say the Eagles. They played. They played uh, two two playoff teams in their own division twice. <laughs> if you're honestly going to sit here and think for one second the Giants were a good team the Giants are not a good team Jeff they're not they're not they downed the NFC North champion oh I'm sorry they played Minnesota that shouldn't even have been there at the number one as the number one team in the division first of all not only is it a playoff game but it was a road playoff game very tough to win very tough. To good, win a road good for them game. and everybody else. Everybody and their mother had the Giants winning that game because nobody thought that Minnesota could win that game at home. Being that they they won by single digits in almost every single one of their games this year. They won by single digits. Yeah, that's great. But it's all right, so that makes them a good team. Road win, but, but it does make them a good team. You know why it does? Because coaching matters, and the coach of the year came through, didn't he? Brian Dayball, the best hire in all of football. <laughs> You know, you're you are a very interesting kid, man. I, I'm sorry, not kid, man. Okay, you when 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 it comes down to attacking the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. I'm not attacking them. Oh no, no, all, no, you're not. No, no, no. Tonight you're not. We need to get this. We need to get this for the record because you always okay. say I hate the Cowboys. You do. And it's not true. I don't hate the Cowboys. What do you call? I it? hate their fans. I hate their fans. And you hate they're the all mouth breathing dummies. Every last one of them. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> well, I, I will say this: you sit back and you have a lot of funny things to say about their quarterback, don't you? I, I think he stinks, okay. and I'm not alone in that. And by and by the way, I was the first one to think he stunk. Hold on, hold and everyone on. was like, "No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong." And guess what? Everyone's coming around now. You have a lot to say about their star running back, right? And, and by the way, I was the first one to say he stinks too. I'm not the one on this radio station <laughs> saying he's better than Barry Sanders. That's not this guy, is it? That's only, I just that's, I that's just only named, less than one percent of the population. I just <laughs> named two guys that were the, uh, big centerpieces to that team, and you he's think not even stay. the best running back on his own team. No, I'll take Tony Pollard. Give me Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's not going to be a part of that organization. Well, he was this year, and he was better than Zeke. Okay, <laughs> you're a funny dude, man. You really are. What, have I, I not? Have I not been? Have I not been championing Tony Pollard for years now? No, you have, but. You're just a funny guy. And, and, and by the way, to... it's now, it's now coming around that they're giving him playing time because guess what? He's mm. better. Mm. Is that true or not? Sweetie, are you with me? Tony Pollard over Zeke? Of course. I think he... Oh, are you with me? Tony Pollard over Zeke? It's not even a question. Who had it first? By the way, like three years ago. 
Well, you but like no, I was told by mouth-breathing woodland creatures that Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott is better than Barry Sanders. Well, I, you're I mean, crazy. <laughs> well, to this day, he still, you know, follows through with it. He's oh, I'm sorry, I, I pronounced the R. You're crazy. <laughs> But it's funny that you you sticking up for the NFC East because I think that you guys ignore facts. The facts are that they downed all the division winners, every last one of them. The Buccaneers suck. Minnesota, to me, was one of the most overrated uh, number one uh, teams oh, in their not, division. Not easy to win. Not easy to win divisions, and not easy to get in the playoffs. I remember some teams were declared elite, lost their last games, only scored one touchdown in their last three games, missed the playoffs. If elite teams can do that. Making the playoffs, Jeff. Who are hard the task? And they're Jeff, all good. Jeff, give me the the Lions had a decent season. Okay, they they did, but they're not a good team. Okay, they're not yet. Green, a good Bay, team. Green Bay made a strong run towards the end. Maybe if Aaron Rodgers wasn't on Iowa, oh, they would have made the playoffs. St- stop with that. <laughs> stop with that, Jeff. Aaron Rodgers had really nobody. By the way, his number one wide receiver is ranked like 115th in the league. Okay, maybe it's, that's because the quarterback can't get him the ball. Maybe that nobody that can get open. Hard to throw. Maybe the, ball the offensive line sucked this year. Hard to throw the ball accurately when you're seeing double. Get the hell out of here. There's something wrong with you. There really is. Oh man, Derek, right, what's up, man? How we doing? We're good, man. I, I mean, we, we've got uh, Jeff, aka Jeff from Tampa, who has his uh, his own uh, you know personality as well. Uh, I mean, he could be a wrestling character. Jeff could be a wrestling character. I know he is. No, wrestling. no, no. I wrestling, know you're wrestling, wrestling. Yeah, wrestling's terrible. It's literally for people with diminished capacity. <laughs> Shout out to Josh. <laughs> so he, he hates wrestlers. By the way, uh, did everybody hear that Hulk Hogan is paralyzed? Wow. Hear about that? No, I did not. <clears throat> he, had, uh, he had back surgery and he's paralyzed from the waist down right now. Damn. That's what, that's what I, I mean. I mean, wrestling is literally the worst thing on the planet. It's lit- like this is why every Make a Wish kid wants to meet a wrestler, and that they grant those wishes. It's so that, like, when you meet John Cena, it makes dying not seem so bad. <laughs> Keith says the Lions are a good team on the rise. Yes, they are. They but, are. Yeah, they- but they weren't expected to be nine and eight this year. No, <clears throat> and they had they, they they had a good season. Let's see them do it back to back years. Right. They can't. They have not had back to back. Year good seasons we in a very long time. Matter of fact, I don't remember the last time they had back to back good years. They had back to back. The Motor City Kitties are coming. They had back to back winning seasons, but I don't think they've ever had back to back playoff wins in my or playoff seasons in my lifetime too. Because they were another one. So those teams, even when they were good, they always would fall apart right at the end. Derek, how do you feel about uh, the Eagles going to the Super Bowl? We haven't spoken to you for about two, two, three yeah. weeks. Uh, how are you excited? Are you excited for Sunday? Very excited. Very, very nervous. Why nervous? nervous. Why nervous? It's Mahomes, man. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid off a bye. It's Travis Kelsey. Um, Like the Eagles, I think, are definitely better. The Chiefs, they've been more battle-tested. I think they've played... They played the Bengals twice. They played the Bills. Like, they're they're just more battle-tested to me than the Eagles. They've kind of... I think the easy schedule thing's been blown out of proportion a little bit because they've also blown everyone out. But you, you look at the quarterbacks the Eagles have played this year, and it's it's Dak once, it's Jared Goff in Week One, like it, like Daniel Jones a couple times, like okay. Um, but but really they they've skated by and not played strong QBs. So I I mean I think Mahomes is going to be a little bit of a shock to their system. 
to start the game. But I do think the pass rush will get home as the game progresses. I think the trenches will wear him down. Um, I trust Hurts. He's had two weeks with the shoulder. I do think the shoulder is an issue. I, I, I really do. I think in the first two playoff games, it was an issue. And you could see, especially him throwing down the field, it, it just wasn't nearly as effective as it was in the regular season. Um, but he's got two weeks to heal there. And I do think they'll be able to put up points on that defense. But um, it's just Mahomes, man. You can't feel comfortable going against that guy. He's he's like the most talented football player I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, Derek, uh, you got a compliment from our comment section, Keith. Uh, Derek is the smartest guy you've had on here by far. <laughs> <laughs> the mountain of knowledge. Approving it by Keith. Well, you know, Keith has his own thoughts so on some of the crazy things that come out of Jeff's mouth. But, well, of course. But Jeff, that's who Jeff is. Jeff is like... I, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't think much of New Yorkers, so it's all good. <laughs> well, you know, J- as you know, Derek is not from New York. He's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's... Well, right, but he's also on the run, correct? <laughs> Actually, he's in Boston. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he's in Boston right now, so yes. your favorite that's, place. That's, that's what I attributed his two-week absence to, that the the authorities had found out his yeah. alias and then we're currently searching. So for he had to go back into hiding. Mountain. Is that what you're saying? That's a good, now I'm saying time now for okay. a new passport. We've got to pick a new name for him. <laughs> you're crazy, man. You really are nuts. Oh my God. You are a wrestling character. I don't care what you say. You're like, you're, you're not captain planet. You're like, Jeff's planet. You're on Jeff's own planet. Jeff has no, his own planet. The name of planet. Jeff's planet is Banana Land. <laughs> yes, Banana Land. That's perfect. He is on Banana Land. If you want to reach out to, we should call a segment. We should you're, call you're a segment. Just, you're, Banana you're Land. You're just mad because you you dispute facts. That's that's why you're mad. <laughs> oh, the the NFC East took down three division. took down three division winners, and you claim it's all worthless. <laughs> they beat Tampa. Okay. A, a peewee football Minnesota, team could have beaten them. And Minnesota and San Francisco. And I don't think this Philadelphia Eagles team is getting enough credit because if if, if Jalen Hurts hadn't gotten hurt, they would have only lost do you one remember, game season. Do you remember when Dak Prescott beat Tom Brady and what you said? What did you say? What did you say? Oh, yeah, that that loss was so terrible that it made Tom Brady quit. <laughs> okay. He, he okay. left. He left. He left football because losing to Dak Prescott is the lowest thing on the planet. I rest my case. <laughs> he hadn't done. He hadn't lost to the Cowboys his, his entire career, and then the one you think it's a coincidence—the one time it happens that he quits football. No, that's not a coincidence. He threw away his own family to keep playing. And he was like, oh, Dak Prescott, that's a layup. And then when it turned out not to be true, he was like, I'm embarrassed. I'm going to go hide. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't It wasn't P.J. Walker. It wasn't any of the Steelers quarterbacks. No, it, <laughs> it wasn't. Dak. It wasn't 10 years, $375 million from Fox. That changed his mind, right? Right, but he, no, but, well, you could you could try to make that claim, but he's not doing it next year. He's he's taking a year off and, and going into it the following year. Yeah, so we, that that claim, right? So that claim would ha- hold no water because if that was the reason why he would le- he left, he would get right into doing it, and he's not. <laughs> you are an interesting guy. Man. He you is really taking are. a year away in hiding. Because losing to Dak Prescott no, is that terrible. You know, He's like, I can't be no, seen. No, he'd rather sit on Twitter right now and take pictures of him in, in his underwear. That's what he's that's what he's doing right now. He's taking pictures of himself in his own underwear. Great job, Tom. That is great. Well, I mean, is Jordan, there any better you're retirement? Well, 
uh, is there any better promotion? That's what that's what people with their own brand do. They promote their clothing, and his clothing is underwear. So I'm sure that makes you very happy. You love men's underwear. No, nope. you love seeing guys in men's get underwear. Get the hell out of here! I'm excited to see you in your underwear. Get, get, get. Every bet is about Speedy you in your underwear. underwear. Speedy don't wear underwear. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do. Do not listen to his nonsense. He don't wear underwear. Okay. So much you know, Jeff. Do you wear underwear? You probably don't. It's hilarious that you know that intimate fact about him. He I tells think you're me, a little too into it. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm done talking to you right now because you're you're really starting to irk me and make me uh, want to hang up on you. So I am not going to do that. What did that. I do? I am not going to do that because you are. What did I do? You are out of your damn mind. But uh, have you been drinking tonight? Uh, yes. I figured. Yeah, I figured. What are you? But what it's is, not just. But it's not just. Oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on. What have you? What have you been drinking? Uh, I have well, what right? What the one right here is called? It's a uh, the brand is Naughty Vines. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon, and it's thirteen point five percent alcohol. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a twenty eighteen California uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. There you go, Derek. So if you want to go and you, for you, you and your girlfriend to have a nice uh, cup of what is it again? It's a Cabernet. It's a California Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, it's a, uh, it's the brand a, a wine. A wine. A wine. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I drink yeah. wine. Red wine. There you go. I like red wine too. Now, Jeff, here's the real question: Do you think Derek could have a retreat like that at a winery <laughs> in hiding? <laughs> I mean, look, there's not a lot of people that live around wineries. Those are open lands, uh, places that you can see the police coming from a long ways away. <laughs> Carl says maybe Brady could take up a year in the dark like Rogers did for four days. Well, he'll be in Boston watching uh, his Eagles play. So after the if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I could only imagine what Derek's going to do. Well, that's that. Well, that's a smart guy that he is in a a place that a is safe place with beauty and terrific uh, food and restaurants. Could you imagine what the Philadelphia people are going to do again if they win the Super Bowl? I mean, the last time they won a Super Bowl, they were eating horse crap on the. You know. Derek, I hope did you see? Did you well. see the uh, Philly fan climb up? Yes, like he was scaling the building in Phoenix. It's just like middle of the day. Like it was like twelve o'clock. They're gonna make the. They're gonna make the uh, the city of Phoenix have to add something to the to the, to the poles oh, yeah. and all the the light lampposts and all that just because 100%. of that. They they might have to have like, like put butter outside the buildings or something. <laughs> it's definitely the going to be interesting. Terrible tonight. What? Dude, the Bucks are terrible tonight. All they're doing is jacking up three pointers and, and missing all of them. They're lucky they're only down Here. six, and and it's it's absolutely disgusting. Here, I, 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 I have I have the perfect thank you to one player that's ruined the game of basketball, Steph Curry. So thank you to Steph for chucking well, the up problem the problem is Steph makes his three pointers. Yeah, and and look where his team is ranked right now, ninth in the West. Huh. Well, you know, not everything's all that good out there. But anyway, it's football, not basketball. I got it. I got Sunday. it. I got it. So Car- let's. Carl also says, uh, Jeff drinking the Manischewitz. <laughs> uh, no, uh, he means Manischewitz, probably. Manish- and no, this is not. This is not, this, this is not Jewish wine. This is this is a classy, nice bottle. I think it was like an eighty dollar bottle of wine. And the next one's pretty good too. I got a Highlands uh, Highlands forty one vintage Darkness Paso Robles. You're drinking another bottle of wine. I probably will, yeah. I had like four or five of them last night. <laughs> oh my God. How are you still alive? How do you not have a headache? What are you talking about? I mean, when I you drink... Dude, you, have you ever heard of the hair of the dog? The hangover goes away if you just don't stop drinking. What was that again? The hangover goes away if you just don't stop drinking. Like, if you just pick it up in the morning and keep going, you're fine, bro. 
So that's what you do every day. You just you keep on going. Well, I'm also uh, betting a lot lately yeah, so too, and it's go. not going well because I picked the Bucks tonight, and it's just blowing up in my face. There you go. Jesus. So maybe you should reach out to Derek. He's very good at this, and uh, he can give you some winners. I'm doing all right on my own. It's only the end of the first half. Bucks are down five. Forty <laughs> seconds left. I don't know. Okay, Jeff, you are <laughs> another no. three pointer miss. This Bucks team is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. All right, Speedy, you ready? Let's go do our picks. And right. There we go. It's one game. So you you guys could give your reasons on why you – and Jeff, maybe instead of just giving us your winners. And, and who's, in, who's in first place who leads again? Speedy uh, leads, I do. Right? I do. Speedy does. I was and, the only and, one to pick and, the Chiefs. Or no, Derek picked the Chiefs is, last and, week. So we're actually – I think right, we're actually tied actually for the post. So you and Derek are tied. Mm. I think I'm in second, right? And and Errol's in last. Errol's in last place. <laughs> Are you happy? Are you happy now that you heard my name last? Is that good for you? Does that I make just you think happy? it's humiliating that someone that says they're always right is in last place. Hold on one second. No, that, that, that's the famous Mikey C. That line. was not me, first of all. And it, it's so funny. When you would come on this damn show, you like to throw like – it's like it's like a dice game with you. I don't know what I'm going to get out of you. Is it going to be pick six or what is it, pick one? I don't know. What do they call it? Snake eyes? That's what he is. He's this freaking snake. That's what he is. Anyways yeah. – Let's go. That made no sense. It never has to, especially with you. Keep drinking. Let's go. I will. Thank you. All right. All right, Speedy. Super Bowl 57. So a couple of matchups I, I are very interested in is the first, the slot receiver versus slot corner battle with the Chiefs receivers and the Eagles uh, secondary, too, because the Eagles out the Eagles corners are fantastic, but James Bradbury is not usually one to move into the slot, and neither is Darius Slay as much. Darius Slay did more towards the beginning of his career, but the Chiefs are going to attack that slot area with the receivers that they do have, whichever ones are healthy, and also Travis Kelsey, who has the most slot routes among the tight ends. And that's where I think the Eagles are going to have to make it where either Chauncey Garner-Johnson have to play the slot or Kaiser White is going to have to step up more in this game. Those are two big X factors I have because I think the offensive line and the defensive line are going to cancel each other out. And the Eagles... Secondary is definitely, I think, be able to take away Juju. I think the run defense for the Chiefs is definitely going to make it harder on Miles Sanders. That being said, I like Kenneth Gainwell in this game a lot as a pass-catching back, a shiftier guy outside against those Chiefs edge rushers, which are a little more bigger or they're older. And Jalen Hurts running, how much will he do it is going to be a big key to what is going to be the volume of that. And I don't know how well it'll be in the, fir- in the second half, but in the, if he gets, get, gets it going in the first half, then it'll make a difference for the Eagles to take a big lead. That being said, the Chiefs have actually done well in the first quarter this postseason, which is not really their thing. So I don't think they start as fast in this game. And I think that, like Seth Kaiser was saying, that's going to slow the Eagles down. And like you were saying earlier, Derek, I think the Eagles in the fourth quarter in a closer game, are they battle-tested enough the same way the Chiefs are? And I think that's going to end up making a difference. How will Hurts, in that moment, as a franchise quarterback, be able to make that difference? And the Eagles, Eagles coaching staff, too, the same kind of way, too. So I think it'll be a close game, but I am going to take the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. I think Mahomes will win it late, kind of like the Bengals game. He'll get some athletic plays down the stretch. It's rigged, baby. It's rigged. And I'm not going to say it's because it's rigged. I'm not, I'm not you. I'm not Arian Foster. I just think the Chiefs have just a little more experience with the coaching. And I do think, the, I do think that young secondary has also played very well. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in a very close game. 27-24. Go ahead, Jeff. Let's hear you. Go to Derek. I'm smoking. 
Okay, so uh, I can't pick against my team. I'm going to go with the Eagles, but um, I, I truly think this game is a coin flip. Uh, as I said before, you got to worry about Mahomes. Um, he's always going to keep it close. The Bucks game, that Super Bowl, that, that's an anomaly. The, the guy never gets blown out. When he loses, it's a one-possession game, so I do think it's going to come down to the wire. I just think that the only apparent mismatch in this game is the Eagles' offensive line against the run defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. And Chris Jones is fantastic. He is the best interior D lineman in football this year, uh, especially with Aaron Donald being a little banged up this year. I mean, Jones was absolutely ridiculous in that AFC championship game. Um, he's going to make plays, even against Kelsey and Dickerson and Cy Malo, Like, he's going to get his. He's too good a player. Um, but you talk about – Mike Dana in the interior D line. You're talking about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton at linebacker. I like the I like the Eagles matchups a lot there. Um, so over the course of four quarters, I think they're going to wear them down. I do think that's a mismatch in the Eagles' favor, and I, I'm going to trust that Hurts' shoulder is a little better. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a huge mismatch, but the Chiefs might be starting three rookies in their secondary if Legereus Sneed can't go this weekend. Uh, they're definitely going to start two in Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie, um, both at outside corner. And they, they've both been fantastic, um, especially Watson, seventh-round pick. Like he, He's a really good football player. But, I mean, against Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, it's kind of like the Chris Jones thing where it's like they're, they're just going to make plays. I am going to trust A.J. Brown to get his. I'm going to trust Devontae Smith to make a couple plays, uh, kind of change change the uh, kind of tide for the Eagles uh, for the better. But it's going to come down to the wire. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to put points up in this game. So like Speedy, I, I think it's going to be a really, really close game. I'm just going to go the other way. So I'm going to go the Eagles 31 to 28. Go ahead, Jeff. All right. Uh, the Eagles have done this all year where they play ball possession uh, kind of football, where they kind of try to control the clock, hold the football, run the football a bit. I think that's how they're going to play. I think the battle is going to be won or lost here in the trenches with with uh, Mahomes uh, hobbled a bit with that ankle injury, case in the Prescott foot. I don't think that he – I think that advantage goes to the, the – Eagles defensive line. If they can keep them in the pocket and not let them scramble around and improvise, I think that favors the Eagles. Jordan Davis is a big run stopper. Hassan Reddick is a terrific pass rusher. Eagles play ball possession football, run the football. They love that. Dude, that that play that they run where they put both tight ends in the game, push Jalen Hurts forward is virtually unstoppable. They love going forward on like every fourth down. I think they're going to be aggressive and do the same and try to hold the ball and keep Mahomes off the football field. I love the Eagles in this game. Love the Eagles. If Jalen Hurts hadn't gotten hurt and they lost those couple of games at the end of the year, the Eagles would have only had one loss this year. And I think the Eagles would be viewed a whole lot different because a team with only one loss is viewed vastly different than the Chiefs with, what, four losses they had this year or something? Three. 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 Mm -hmm. I mean, that's still impressive, but one loss is even more impressive. I love the Eagles in this game. They're great offensive line. They're terrific defensive line. They have more players from Georgia. Give me the Eagles. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Does Jordan Davis have a sack in this game, Jeff? <laughs> huge factor. Huge one stopper in the middle, Jordan Davis. This is this is where you like people go, oh, there's not a lot of guys on the Eagles with championship pedigree. Wrong. 
Jordan Davis is a champion. Proved it. Won a national championship. Well, this game could go either way. I, I, I agree with Derek. I agree with Speedy. This game can go both ways. The question is, when you look at the big picture and obviously the running games, I, I, I love what Pacheco did uh, in, in the AFC title game. He was running the ball. They gave him the beat. He, he was a beast of a man. He was running through the, uh, the defensive line of the Bengals. But this isn't the defensive line of the Bengals. This is the Philadelphia Eagles defense. And that's the difference in this game. I think the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the, the depth that they have at their defensive line, having the Dominican Sue play last week, Linville Joseph played some parts in, in that game. And by the way, Hassan Reddick was beastly in the game against the 49ers. So uh, you look at what the, the strengths and the weaknesses of both teams. I believe that the offensive line, the defensive line, and even the special teams of the Eagles are that much better than Kansas City. But they do have Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes isn't 100% healthy. His ankle isn't 100% healthy. And the Eagles know that. So what are the Eagles are going to try to do? They're going to try to go after and hit him low and try to throw him off uh, you know, in his spots where he, he's not going to be able to move out of his pocket. He's going to have to stay and station himself in the pocket and make throws in the big parts of the games. And that, I think that's the benefit I think the Eagles have in this game. Now, I do believe the Super Bowl is a little rigged, and I believe that the Eagles will be up. Moronic. I believe the Eagles will be up going into the fourth quarter. And then you're going to see the greatness of – quote-unquote, the next quarterback, the next face of the NFL in Patrick Mahomes, and the NFL wants to see that. But nevertheless, I think this is Jalen Hurts' game. I think Jalen Hurts is going to prove himself this game. I think he's going to be the MVP of this game, and I think he's going to show up in the fourth quarter, run the ball, which Kansas City can't stop, and I believe it will be close. Give me... Kansas, well, I was going to say Kansas City. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles 31-24 to win Super Bowl 57. I think that's a good pick, Errol. Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts will take care of him. <laughs> Oklahoma and Georgia representative on, on this team. On. Is, that, is that where your pedigree is, Hold Jeff? on, hold on. Half Oklahoma, half Alabama. Now, so, Jeff, nope, not, 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 not half Alabama. They threw him out because they wanted uh, – they wanted Hawaiian Tebow, so they kicked him out. They said, leave. Bye-bye. And then he left, and what happened? Wona Heisman. <laughs> That's actually another good point. We should, we should pick that, too. So I guess you could pick the quarterbacks as the MVP if you want, but, again, you could also pick anyone else. So I'll go first with, with Super Bowl MVP pick. So I have the Chiefs winning, so Mahomes would be the stereotypical pick, but I would say also watch out for Jarek McKinnon as well. Receiving back, the Eagles have had trouble with that this year. I think he has a big game because Pacheco's been the hot hand, but I think McKinnon will be the sneaky one for Andy Reid. Who do you have winning the MVP, Derek? So, I think if you have the Chiefs winning, like, I, I truly don't see any outcome where Mahomes doesn't win it. I, like, I think he's going to put the team on his back. He's going to have his 300 yards, two or three touchdowns. Um, but as an Eagles pick, man, you could go a lot of different ways. Hurts is the obvious one, but you could even go A.J. Brown, Devontae. You could go with Hassan Reddick. I could easily see him have two or three sacks in this game. Um I'm going to go with Hurts, though. I, I think it's a storybook ending to his season and kind of the narrative that he has had since he's come in the league. And he's still facing a ton of criticism just from his style of play. Um, and I think it's the perfect way to kind of get his critics to shut up. Um, and with the Super Bowl MVP, kind of uh, have that uh, 
walk into the sunset, if you will, to end this uh, season for the Eagles. So, yeah, I will pick Jalen Hurts here. Jeff, who do you think wins the MVP? Yeah, I mean, Speedy and Mystery Mountain there are, are under something. It's probably <laughs> going to be the quarterbacks because it, it normally is, right? But I'll go, I'll go off the board, I guess, because he already picked Jalen Hurts. So that's boring if I were to do the same. <laughs> A.J. Brown is terrific, but he's kind of the number one receiving option. I think that'll open things up a little bit more for Devontae Smith. He could have a big game. I'll take Devontae Smith for the MVP. Okay. Devontae Smith, who you didn't think would be good in the NFL, Jeff. Now you're coming full circle on it. I thought, I thought, well, I thought he was a little undersized, but he's a, he's a really good number two. Really All right. good number two. I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts, but I'm going to take somebody else, okay? So, right, that's, we're doing the same thing, right? right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'll do somebody else because uh, I don't want it to be, you know, everybody's natural pick. I like Sanders in this game. I think Sanders is going to be able to run the ball. I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to stop him. I, they have problems stopping the run, and I believe he is going to have at least two touchdowns in this game, maybe three. And I expect him to have a long run early in the game where there's 40, 50 yards where he could even run it in for a touchdown. So give me Sanders. I think Sanders is the MVP of the Super Bowl. All right, Jared. Do, do, you, guys, do, you, guys, do you guys have a defensive MVP? Defensive MVP? MVP. Who do you have, Derek? Because you're the, you're the Philadelphia Eagles fan. I mean, I, I said Reddick. I, I mean, he's got the best matchup. He always lines – he primarily lines up over the right tackle. Mm. So he's going against Andrew Wiley. Not not a liability, but he's definitely the weak link on a really good Chiefs O-line. Um, three and a half sacks in two playoff games. Um, and just the way that Gannon deploys him. I mean, he's going to be slanting inside and, and facing interior guards on passing downs. And he can overwhelm tackles with his speed and athleticism on the edge. Um, and – as Jeff said earlier, I mean, you got to worry about Mahomes' ankle. Um, if he's not as mobile, I mean, that, that might be better for their D-line for a guy like Reddick. So um, if I had to pick one of the Eagles, it would probably be Reddick. Who do you have, Speedy? I'm going to say for the – I'll say for the Chiefs, I'll say Frank Clark as a likely one because – Landon Dickerson, he left the, the end of the game. He had an injury. And then Jordan Mailata, if there's any, like, one flaw, like, his pass blocking has been kind of up and down at times this year. So I think he could get a couple sacks, too. I think – like you're saying, Derek, if, if they're going to give any a defensive MVP, it's probably going to be a de- defensive lineman with how good the, both these defensive lines are. I can't imagine both quarterbacks have multiple interceptions. So I'll say Frank Clark. Who do you, Jeff? Yeah, I think I think uh, Derek's on to something with with Hassan Reddick. a great player, but I also think that he's he's going to get all, a lot of the attention. He's going to get the Pacheco chip or the McKinnon chip. Like ever, all the attention is going to be there, and it's going to open it up. For Georgia defensive tackle, <laughs> Jordan Davis, to, to bull rush the middle, take over that interior line with Mahomes not being so mobile, he probably won't be able to get out of the pocket. Five sacks for Jordan Davis coming up in the Super Bowl. Five sacks. Jordan, five, five, Jordan Davis will get eight snaps of five sacks. Five, five, five sacks, a forced fumble, and a touchdown for Jordan Davis. You should have seen that coming when we asked I have two. I, I have two guys. I have two guys. Um, I, I believe Adamic and Sue is going to play a big part in this game. I he, he played a big part against the 49ers. He was beasting against the 49ers. I expect him to put a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has played against Dominic and Sue. And, and in some of the games, Dominic and Sue has dominated against, especially in the Super Bowl, if you remember. So I expect Dominic and Sue to have a good game. But Darius Slay, I believe... 
Darius Slay will have an interception, maybe in a pick six in this game. We have seen when he needs to take over a game, he does it. He did it against Jefferson. He's done it against a lot of number one wide receivers this year. I expect him, whoever they put him on, uh, I believe that he will have an interception in this game and maybe a pick six. So give me a Dominican Sue or Darius Slay. Are we all on the Eagles, by No, I have the Chiefs. I have the you Chiefs. have the Chiefs. I have uh, the Chiefs. Okay. PD has the Chiefs. But so we uh, will get a winner between you and Derek. We will get a winner. There you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. We yeah. will get a first place winner. That's terrific. Speaking <laughs> of Derek, uh, Errol has a little surprise for you. There you go, Derek. This is for you. This is for you. love that track. You know, it's so funny. When Jalen Hurts was singing it uh, after they beat the 49ers, it was hilarious. And that's not that's something that I like about Jalen Hurts. You don't see that all game long. He's quiet. He's to himself on the sidelines. You don't see him trying to, you know, rev up the 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 the, the fans. He doesn't do that. He 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 does it because he I've heard him say the game is never over until it reaches zero. It doesn't matter if I'm up two touchdowns or three touchdowns with 40 seconds left. Anything is possible. So I, I love that when he went up there and he started singing the song. And that shows you the type of personality he is. And he deserves it because I remember in the beginning of the season, everybody was talking about the Eagles having two first-round draft picks and that uh, if Jalen Hurts doesn't prove himself this year, we get rid of him. We've got two great uh, – we have two big picks, and we could get Bryce Young or we can get C.J. Stroud or this guy. And what, what happens? Jalen Hurts, if he didn't get hurt, he's the MVP of the league. So – uh, and he could be the MVP of the Super Bowl. So it, it's uh, it's crazy. Go ahead. I, I like that, I like that Derek is a uh, Eagles fan. I think that's great. Mm. I like guys that root for teams whose most famous player is a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man! How was uh, how was the 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 reefer you were smoking, man? Terrific! I'm, Love it. I'm figuring, you know. I mean, he's it drinking his pairs, wine. Pairs well with a California wine, yeah. It was great. <laughs> you know, it's still illegal in Florida, you know. Uh, not technically. I have my medical card. Uh, glaucoma. <laughs> <laughs> glaucoma. You've got glaucoma. Get out of here. <laughs> 100% got glaucoma. <laughs> that's, what doctor did uh, you well, pay uh, off uh, to okay. write, write you that? My homeboy, Dr. Rob. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Rob. Carl says, "Puff, Love puff, prescriptions. I, I I suffer from from headaches as well, and I'm he sure said that you this do. would help. So I went and got. <laughs> you my, should my be drinking bar. wine if you suffer from headaches. <laughs> it's, it's all it's it's all relaxation therapy. <laughs> That's what you call it. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. Fud gave me hypertension, so I need as much relaxation <laughs> oh. as I possibly can get. What did he do now? Oh God, he he just exists. That's enough. He went out with a girl last night to a Ranger game. By the way. So. Yeah, who doesn't even like like him? That's terrific. You're so mean, man. You're you're a nasty person. By the way, congratulations to this year's Hall of Fame class: Rondé Barber, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, 
uh, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecker, uh, Klecko, Ken Riley. I mean, this is a star-studding class that uh, is going to the Hall of Fame this year. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, congratulations to everyone that won an award tonight. Uh, Brian Dayball, uh, uh, Garrett Wilson, mm-hmm. and Sauce Gardner, Sauce mm-hmm. the Boss. Mm-hmm. You know, all well-deserved winners in those categories uh, tonight as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the first time that any team has won defensive and offensive rookie of the year. I told you that was going to happen. Yes, you did. You did. The Jets had a very good year as far as the youth and the young players that they have. Let's see if they can find themselves a quarterback that can actually make the Do plays. You, would you would you care to share our bet that we made? Go ahead. You should you, you could tell people that that when that and 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 I'll agree to to whatever stakes that you want that mm-hmm. when the Jets don't get either Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr mm-hmm. that you must call Beef Fud for a full year. <laughs> I didn't say that. Wow. I did not say that. You liar. I have it in text message. Uh, go ahead. I didn't say I I didn't say I would call him Fud. You're I, the one who that's, asked. That's, that's what I that's what I want if I win. You have to call him Fud for a full year. <laughs> Oh, man. I'll think about it. I- I'll let you know by the end of the weekend, okay? Oh, what? When the game's over? Yeah, when the game's over. I mean, yeah, there's not going to be a decision. And, 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 the new, and the news has already dropped about a, a, a New Orleans Saints trade for Derek Carr. So, like, half of it all, you'll be like, oh, no, now that that's over, I can't do no, it. I will. We should I'll, pull I'll the trigger you. on this tonight. Pull the trigger on this tonight. I am not pulling no the trigger on tonight, okay? That's what you like to do. You like to put me, you know... You like to put me in a spot where I have to make a decision right away. I'm not doing it. Well, you're the one that wanted to bet. All right. You were so- all right. All right. All right. If it, all right. I'll make a bet with you. I'll make the bet. But Fun. if Fun. I win, Fun. if Fun. I win, if I win, you have to pick up your dog's crap and eat it. Okay. If if he our says right, I already don't. <laughs> you have to take a picture of it. You have to take a picture or video of it, and you have to stick. Your dog crap in your mouth, okay? Sure. Going out the tradition of Eagles fans. If Aaron Rodgers, remember, Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, which is never going to happen. Just, Derek Carr is pretty much already in New Orleans Saint, okay? And Aaron Rodgers is on a darkness retreat, and he's going to see the light and go, "I hate the Jets." No. Okay, so uh, he has to go to bet. He has to go to all the ayahuasca spots in Vegas. Is that a bet? <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that bet. All right. Fudge for a full year. But remember, if, if Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr goes to the Jets, you've got to eat dog crap. No problem. All right. You better do it. <laughs> you should see my ex-girlfriend. I've had worse things in my mouth. <laughs> Carl, Carl says, Zayvon Collins, definitely MVP. Snug says, hashtag forbid the fun. And Carl says, Karloft is a close second, Jeff hitting on the draft picks. That was my other choice, actually, for a potential MVP, if he's lined up a lot on that left side. It seems, it would seem to me that most of the guys that I point out that are going to be good, oh God. it pretty much happens. Who was on Sauce first? You were. But, uh, Who was on Jordan Davis? There's, there's a guy. Rashawn Slater? There's a guy in Arizona that you were wrong about. A starting linebacker. They ditched the old one to make him start at linebacker. Zayvon Collins <laughs> loved the Golden Hurricane. Loved the Golden Hurricane. The Golden Hur- Hurricane. Did you hear that? Yeah, he was the go- he that's, was the go- that's that's the that's the Tulsa. The Tulsa yeah. That's the yeah. That's the Tulsa mascot. Yeah. Well, the he, Golden Hurricane. Yeah. Well, he's the gold Golden DWI. That's what I I would call him. He didn't get a DWI. He got a speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. And we, he wasn't drinking. 
No, he got a speeding ticket. That was what that whole thing was about. So he didn't drink anything. Who cares? He didn't drink anything. No. Who cares? Let him drive as fast as he wants. Arizona, they barely have laws out there. <laughs> oh, at least he's not Henry Ruggs. Oh, God. Right. Whatever exactly. happened to Henry Ruggs? He's in jail, bro. <laughs> no, did he get? Yeah, prison. Is he, is he, how long is he going to prison for? Did they, did they haven't had the, well, they haven't had the trial. Bro. Oh, they haven't had the trial yet. Yeah. When's no. the trial? No, I have no idea. Really? At 182 miles an hour, that's SEC speed. You know, it's it's crazy because if you know the the rug story, he lost his friend in a car accident and he almost died. He was supposed to he was supposed to go in that car and they were supposed to drive up to a basketball game and his friend went and they his friend died in the car and it was it was supposed to be rugs that was supposed to die. Yeah, it was tragic. Yeah. It's crazy. That yeah. whole thing is unfortunate and tragic. That's, yeah. You know, I mean, he was being foolish for sure, but like no one intended, like, you know, even when you're driving that fast or whatever, no one intends for something like, like, that's not like an Aaron Hernandez case. Aaron Hernandez meant to do what he did. He's a lunatic. Like Henry Ruggs did like, and it's still a crime and it's still bad, but it's, it's not like Henry Ruggs got in that car intending for that to happen. It's, it's tragic all the way around. Yeah. yeah. The trial, the trial has been moved six times already. So wow. still hasn't happened yet. He's still in jail. And he can't. He, there's no way they're gonna. We've seen you know guys pay people off, but you just killed somebody. So yeah, I, I don't. Did he kill two people or one person? Yeah, no, no. He killed a girl and a dog and a dog and yeah, a dog. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Man. Shit, I need a, I need an Atlas goal. Come on, Atlas FC. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank You're you. Betting for calling. on soccer now, Jeff. <laughs> oh, dude, I love Liga Mexico. Are you kidding? I do Liga Mexico. I do Premier League. I do the Champions. <laughs> I do. I do uh, Serie A. Syria is terrific. I love some Syria. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll keep to our bet. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, I love this bet. Speedy, how much do you love this bet, by the way? Oh, it's going to be a weird one. That's for sure. I love the bet. Either you taking on the mold of, of Eagles fans from five years ago eating dog crap or <laughs> or the, uh, the FUD legacy living on. A, a full... 12 months of calling him FUD. This is going to end their friendship. He might cry. He's going to be he's going to be very upset with this bet though, isn't he? Uh, I'm going to tell him. I, 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 hope, I hope he hears it. Shout out FUD. <laughs> Goodbye, Jeff. Thank you. Cheers, boys. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Jeff on his four bottles of wine and uh, all the stuff he was Just smoking. so everybody knows, just so everybody knows that if Jeff loses, and I, I still believe Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets. Uh, I think Derek Carr is going to the Jets. <laughs> I, I think one of them will go into the Jets. I can't wait until he has to stick that dog crap in his mouth because that will shut him up. He'll, he'll never, ever bet me again after this. He'll never, ever bet me again. And, I, and he has to make a picture and a video. A picture and a video. You heard it. You guys heard it. Picture and video. Uh, and we're going to post it on social media that he's eating dog crap. I'm going to put it on Twitter. And everybody's going to see that our friend Jeff is going to enjoy a nice pile of dog crap. So there you go. Derek, uh, we love you, man. Um, I'm hoping and I'm rooting for your Eagles. As everybody knows, they're my second team that I root for. So. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me on. We'll get you on. Uh, birds. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get you on for the combine and and for the NFL draft. We we love you, man. Absolutely. Keep up your Absolutely. good work, man. See you, boys. Derek Mountain, ladies and gentlemen, we have a we have a bet. Me and Jeff. Uh, that'll be interesting. I think everybody, everybody and their mother hopes that Jeff loses this bet. 
I mean, come on, Speedy. You don't want to. You don't want to see Jeff eat dog crap. Uh, it may look gross, but it would be very interesting. That's for sure. I think it'll be really, really fun. He won't bet you again because he will die from dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard that he, his ex girlfriend was probably worse than dog crap. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> Carl Carl says Speedy loves it as much as the as his bet of wearing panties on his head for the lame Broncos pick. You know what's great about this? Because yes, because I have them as the last wild card. Team. I think this will shut Jeff up too, and and shut Snug up. You think so? And Snug up, <laughs> really? and Snug up. You know why? Because Snug thinks that this this is going to happen and stuff like that. That it's it's going to be fun. But I really think it will shut Snug up too. Mm. I eat ass, so this won't be that bad. It's like this fake news. I want, the, I want the fun for a year. He's disgusting. The fun legacy. <laughs> you know what's so funny? You know what's so funny? When when this happens, guys, when this happens, I, I'm going to be very happy. Because the Jets will get Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, and Jeff has to uh, eat. And by the way, it's got to be videoed or and ta- uh, and and. Uh, a picture. Somebody has to take a picture of you doing this, Jeff. It's got to be videoed and pictured. So uh, that's the bet. It's fair. I, I think it's fair. And if I lose, you know, then I have to call the B FUD. I mean, the FUD legacy lives on for 12 months. 12 whole months. I'll have to February tell February 9th, 2023 to February 9th, 2024. The B will become FUD. Mm-hmm. I'll FaceTime you and do it live. I know I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw up when I see that if he does that. I'm, I'm telling you. I think you. everybody would. <laughs> I'm going to throw up. Jeff, Jeff, might be, Jeff might have the best uh, stomach constitution after that. <laughs> uh, Keith says it's worth the risk, Carol. <laughs> well, it's not worth the risk for, you know, Mike. I don't think Mike's going to like to be called FUD, but... Um, you know, that's not my problem here. Uh, Joe Thomas, Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, it's it's a good it's it's going to be a good dra- uh Hall of Fame class. This mm-hmm. is a good Hall of Fame class. They got a good mixture of good like deserving first ballot guys, but also some of the overdue veteran guys that should have been. Klecko definitely Klecko and yeah. Ken Riley, I think both definitely were long overdue yeah. for the eighties the eighties defenses. They were Absolutely. two of the best of their positions. I, I I mean when you look at this class, I mean Darrell Reeves is is, is a for, oh, to for me sure. is one of the greatest corners to ever play the game. And it's not because I'm a Jet fan. It Darrell Reeves Reeves Island, so yeah. uh, very well deserved uh, first time on the ballot, and and he is going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, another Jet, two Jets go to the Hall of Fame this year. Mm-hmm. So you have Klecko and Darrell Reeves. Uh, yeah. I think this is the most uh, two Jets, uh, you know, on the ba- on on the same ballot go to the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's ever happened before. No, I, I can't remember one off the top of my head because, again, a lot of a lot of the ones that have gotten in for the Jets recently have mm. only been the offensive linemen, but they were all spaced out because uh, Ferguson retired early and, yep. all, and all that. So, yeah, I, I would imagine. Rondé Barber is going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, he deserves it. So, I, I one of the you talk about somebody actually in terms of the slot corner position too, as transcendent as he was for corner blitzes as it was too. I think he's the only uh, corner with. 30 sacks and 30 interceptions in his career. And for, for a, t- a league that revolves around slot corners now, and he moved around the way he did, he, like he ended up being kind of transcendent in that regard. Well, he was a better player than his brother. Yeah, he was. Uh, and his brother, if he stayed in the NFL a little bit longer, maybe right. he 
He's a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah, twins. probably another year or two, he would have definitely sealed his spot for the Hall of Fame. He might go to the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. Who knows? Maybe. But, uh, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas. I mean, Joe Thomas was probably, in my eyes, the best offensive lineman in the last 20 years. Yep. I mean, there's not many guys that were better than Joe Thomas. Uh, played for one team on the Cleveland Browns. And even though the Cleveland Browns stunk, he was always great. It, ta- it takes a lot to play uh, – to play all the consecutive games he did, too. Ten years in a row. He didn't miss a game until his last year in the league. He only missed two games with the concussion in 2017. It takes a lot to play uh, ten consecutive years worth of consecutive games for the Cleveland Browns. Carl says, uh, Rondé, I didn't know this, Rondé Barber didn't miss a game. Yeah. Yeah, he was very durable. Uh, I mean, very durable. He yeah. was durable. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know he didn't miss Extremely durable. I, yeah, I didn't know he didn't miss a game at all. But, yeah, he, he was definitely very uh, – I was, didn't know that. He was definitely a guy that could That's play for a while and play at a high level with that. Yeah, Carl also says Devin Hester next year. He should get in. He's the best kick returner of all time. Keith says he was great on a horrific team. Right, so. right. Joe Thomas, going through all that, he didn't get to play in the playoffs at all because Cleveland, the one year they were pretty good was – Zach Thomas played on a crappy team too. Yeah, he played on my uh, some bad Miami teams kind of horrible. in the middle of his career. Now, when he first came in, they were good, but in the middle of his career. Then he played with Dallas for a couple of years when they were good. What yes. is Jerry Jones doing at the uh, you know the the Super Bowl awards? What's he, what's he doing there? I don't know. Beats me. <laughs> he looks bad, man. He looks terrible. Uh, yes, Carl, yes. He did play 10,000 straight snaps. Yeah, oh, because DeMarcus Ware was going. He's inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. That's why he's there. Yes, yeah, Carl, he did play 10,000 straight snaps. He didn't miss a game until the last year of his career, year number 11 in 2017. And that's, again, when he retired after that. Uh, Jeff says they could skip the five-year relating period and let Brady in now. What were you uh, saying? Uh, Jeff said they should skip the five-year waiting period and let Brady in now. <laughs> well, Brady's going to go in. He is going to be a man by himself. And obviously, J.J. Uh, Watt will be going in the same year. But the, those two guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. It's it's not even an argument. But again, uh, this is a really good Hall of Fame class. It really is. Uh, the fact that they let all these guys in, usually they'll, they'll let three or four of these guys in. Uh-huh. They let them all in. So, uh, and... All of them are very well-deserving. Who do you think is the best on this list? Joe Thomas, I think so. Joe Thomas? I would say so, considering all he's battled through in his career at that position. I would say Darrell Revis. Yeah, uh, it's fair. It's fair. I think just his position, offensive lineman, you don't have that kind of durability a lot of the time, too, especially on that bad of a team that Cleveland had. I think that's that's insane what he did in his but career. But DeMarcus too. Ware was really good, too. DeMarcus Ware was fantastic. So, best outside rusher in my generation. 100%. It's crazy. It, but, again, very well-deserved. Uh, who else won their awards? Uh, uh, Garrett Wilson, like Jeff said, very well-deserved. He had a very good year with four-string quarterbacks throwing to him. Um, Sauce Gardner has had one of the best cornerback years we'll probably ever see. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he was fantastic. And, yes, Jeff was right about Sauce Gardner. So, uh, congratulations to Sauce. Uh, first time a team had two guys win both Rookie of the years in the same year, so that's that's something unique uh, for the Jets and something the Jets could build on for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was um, Holmes was MVP. Bosa uh, wins Defensive Player of the Year. Yep, well deserved. Bosa wins Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Geno Smith was Comeback Player of the Year. Justin Jefferson was Offensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had the Moment of the Year mm-hmm. for his catch against the Bills. I remember that. Yep. Uh, Dak Prescott was the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Look at that! Dak wins an award. Jeff. Eat your heart out. Uh, Dak wins an award. FedEx Aaron Ground Players of the Year was Joe Burrow and Josh Jacobs. Uh, 
Nick Bosa was the sack leader. Uh, Demeco Ryans was the assistant coach of the year. Calais Campbell was the Art Rooney sportsmanship year. Mm. Um, Damian Pierce, the angry run of the year. I didn't even know that was an award. Uh, Jim Brown Award goes Did to Josh Jacobs. they just add that award? Yeah, yeah, that's that based award. on uh, Kyle Brandt, yeah. I've never <laughs> heard of that award. It, it's it's a whole Kyle Brandt quirk of, of NFL, of uh, Good Morning Football. I guess I heard, we heard Dak Prescott's a really good guy. Yeah, I mean, we've we've interviewed people that uh, actually hung out with Dak and said Dak is a really, really good person. So uh, the fact that he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is not surprising to mm-hmm. me. Nah. And then uh, the last one, the uh, Salute to Service Award, uh, Ron Rivera got it as the uh, head coach. Oh, my favorite guy. Hmm. Adebo won Coach Adebo of the Year. was Coach of the Year, yes. Which is, I believe he was Coach of the Year. I, I mean... What Dable did with that New York Giants team with no number one wide receivers and and he really reconstructed that offensive line this year and even though it wasn't the best, but uh, held together. And, no, it played better than expected. Though. And Daniel Jones rebuilding and, and giving Daniel Jones the opportunity to succeed as the starting quarterback of this organization. Uh, I think they they did better than anybody thought they were going to do, winning nine games this year. Not counting the playoff game when they knocked off Minnesota, which to me, Jeff makes it a big deal, but I disagree with him. Uh, Tampa, I mean, give me a break. Dallas beating Tampa. I, yeah. I think a Pee Wee football team could have beaten Tampa, honestly. Mm-hmm. Tampa was horrible this year. They were. They were horrible. That's Snug, just my opinion. Snug says, it's great that Dak is a good dude. Too bad he's not a good quarterback. They should have put Brady in two or three years ago. So you wanted to add Tom Brady in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame when he was already still playing. That, that's an interesting way of doing it. If, there, if that was the case, like they would put players in three years in the league at this rate. So then, who knows? Somebody had a three-year start to his career and flamed out would be in the Hall of Fame. Mm, well, could you imagine if Jeff was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame? For biggest mouth in, you know, NFL broadcasting history. You think he... That'd be interesting. (laughs) That was an award. Biggest mouth. Biggest mouth. I I think there should be an award. We'll call it the Jeff... The Jeff Steinberg Award for Biggest Mouth. And the award winner goes to <laughs> Eli Apple. <laughs> this year, who has the... Oh, j- Eli j- Apple. By, uh, really, by this Watson. year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> biggest <laughs> Mouth? Yeah, he ran his mouth. In the NFL. Oh, In the yeah. NFL. Oh, yeah. Eli Apple. I Eli Apple. Wins the inaugural Jeff Steinberg running his mouth award. Uh, that's that's our award. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, you, we're going to name our award the Jeff Steinberg Award for Biggest Mouth. Of the year. So you have Eli Apple. Of course. I wouldn't pick anyone else. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to think of that one for next week. But when I figure figure out one, I, I will give the award. I will hand the award. I'll, give, I'll even make an award. I'll get a picture of Jeff and put it on a, a trophy. <laughs> He'll put his, his picture on the trophy. <laughs> Hopefully he's not eating dog crap. <laughs> Stark says, Jeff will probably inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame for the best caller of all time. <laughs> well, Snug is, has some kind of infatuation for, for Jeff. He does. It's like his, like, uh, his long-lost uh, lover or of some kind. But I, I love Jeff, too. Snug I like, too. I, I love him, too. He's just a pain in my rear end, you know. He loves to use the Earl word or the name Earl, which is not my name. It's Errol. And I am not, ladies and gentlemen, dealing with Miami Heat ever again. Oh. So I have to deal with Snug, which I don't mind. You know, he's just a pain in my rear end. He really is. 
He really is. But uh, enjoy the football game. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Eat a lot of food. Eat a lot of cupcakes, okay? Enjoy your cupcakes and <laughs> don't do anything stupid with them. And uh, let's pray for the next two weeks if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. Our friend Jeff Steinberg will be eating dog crap. So that that is going to be fun. Uh, posted on social media. So, um, But thank you to all the fans. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy everything. We'll be back next week. Listen to the Weekend Crunch, which airs on 103.9. Are the Islanders playing on Saturday? No, the, the, the Islander game is early, so we'll be on normal time. We will be on at 7 o'clock live and in color on a 103.9 FM, JVC Broadcasting. Um, but thank you. To all the fans, uh, as always, uh, thank you to, for Jeff. Thank you for Derek Mountain for calling us. Uh, we apologize uh, about Quentin Demps. Uh, we'll find out. Hopefully, everything's okay with him. I know he was on a couple of shows today, so he's probably tired. Yeah, he could have made it. Yeah, right. That could. Uh, thank you to uh, the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City athletic analyst Seth Kaiser for joining us. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, just. Thank you to all of them, uh, everybody that keeps listening to us and keeps promoting us around the country. We really appreciate everything, and we'll be back next week. Listen to us on 103.9 on Saturday at 7 p.m. LI News Radio. Check us on iHeartRadio at 7 p.m. if you don't live in Long Island. Good night, everybody. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.